Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. You can find me on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. Spelling G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the Galen Trombley Show. Welcome to episode 118 of the Galen Trombley Show. And it's been actually a while. I, we did not get canceled. Nobody can cancel us. It's actually just my own show. I just didn't have... <laughs> I've been away for a few weeks, so this is, uh, we're back, um, and I'm very excited about my guest today, uh, Sue Matten. She is, I'll get the correct title here, the Vice President of Economic Development at the North Country Chamber of Commerce. Correct. Beautiful. I, I want to make sure that didn't change. I probably should have asked you before. <laughs> um, and if anybody, if it sounds weird, I have new headsets on. I know you can't see this, but that's fine. I'm just letting you know in case I like act weird, there's dead space. I'm like fidgeting with the new gear, and I have a new arm that I'm trying to f- trying to work in to see because mine was starting to fall apart. So I'm going heavier duty. Again, you cannot see this, which is, I, I don't care. I'm just letting you know if, if you hear like a, like a clang or something, I mean, it fell up, it's fallen down and I'm trying to <laughs> scramble to pick it up, which might be when I pass everything to Sue and just let her tell you a long story about the days of coffee and everything we there just discussed. Okay. So, <laughs> so Sue, uh, for people that do not know you, thank you so much for coming on, but give them just kind of a, a background as to how you got to 2021 Sue. Matt. Okay. Uh, so I've been in economic development since 1995. That's when I came to the Chamber of Commerce. There really was no function for economic development at that time. Uh, Gary Douglas, who is the president of the organization, said, hey, you know, we uh, we really don't have any business services. We've been mostly, uh, he'd, he'd not been there very long. And he, he said, well, mostly we, you know, we did uh, tourism and uh, some stuff like that and uh, some festivals and uh, Oktoberfest thing. And, you know, so uh, we'd like to start having some business services. And so he actually asked me, this was actually earlier than that. I was a, a volunteer before I was on the staff. And he said, uh, he said so uh, could you serve on the small business committee because I was a business owner at the time and uh and I said oh sure 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 I can do that so we had this little committee that we were on and pretty soon uh he said well you know uh I'd like you to serve on the board it's very hard to get small business people to serve on the board mm-hmm. it's a big time commitment right you know oh so, okay I'll, I'll do that and then he said well could you serve on the executive board okay I can serve on the executive board and then he was then he asked me to uh, to be on the on the uh, actual staff um, because I was transitioning from owning the restaurant and going to to, 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 to do something else so how did um, so Gary came on. 1993, I think. Well, yes, but I mean, Gary came on the podcast like December, maybe yeah. something like that. And so Gary's one of those guys that I'm just very fascinated by, and mm-hmm. I was excited when he came on. And he's just the guy that, for all the years, like growing up, he was always in the paper. So you see this like little like I gotta call him like a Godfather. Just like you see him in all these photos, and he just <laughs> looks. He's very well dressed, and mm-hmm. you never really you hear him talk, but he not a lot and. Um, he was always very like, um, it seemed like there was like an aura around him that he was just this, and you know, him obviously very better or sure. much better than I do. But, um, so when he came on, I was super excited to have him come on, mm-hmm. but, um, transitioning, I know, like I said, how, how was it 
like how does Gary get your name to get on that? Because you guys came around the same time, really. I, uh, right? It, it was I, I was there. Nine, I was yeah, I was ninety five, and so I had been donating as a volunteer. Actually, the way I got involved as a volunteer was I'd been in the business for a long, long time, and I thought it's time for me to give back. And the 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 person who was the executive director before Gary came on um, as as president um, sent around a little uh, card. A little postcard said, "Would you volunteer for a committee? We're thinking of having one." <laughs> so, so I, I volunteered. Right, it's a very passive aggressive way of asking, right? Right, you know. Yeah. And so I said, "Well, you know, I really should start to get involved. I've been a member for a long time. I said, I really should start to get involved and give back because I now have the time because I've been in the business for seventeen years, and so I now have the time to do that. And I and I know that it's important for for uh, small business voices to be heard. I said, "Okay, I'll, I'll volunteer." And so then, um, as I was on the committee and he came on board um, while I was a volunteer and so he kind of knew me from that and the, I guess he recognized that I was somebody who was willing to work hard and so he said, he said it okay. So it was just kind of a, a chancing, I mean say chance encounter you set yeah. yourself up for the, the opportunity yeah. but it was uh, you know kind of, re- so did you ever have any plans to go from, because I mean economic development obviously is you know building up the economy and building up businesses and mm-hmm. a lot of other stuff that I'll let you talk about because you know way more about it than I do. But going from a small business into that, I mean, was mm-hmm. that a perfect you know intro for you, background? So that was right about the time that the, uh, that the base was closing. Mm-hmm. And so uh, what he asked me to do was to uh, set up a program to help the small businesses that were affected by the base closure. So I was a small business, and I was affected by the base closure. So, uh, you know, it was uh, uh, really opportune for me, but it was also something that I could really relate to the people who were were having Mm -hmm. issues. And there were certain industries that were affected more than others. Um, Car dealerships were affected, uh, restaurants, uh, the hospitality industry. So when you you get the nod to go into something like that, is that intimidating at the time? Because... Or did you think that this is something like, no, I can do it? Or do you think, has it just evolved quite a bit from those oh, early days? It absolutely evolved. Because okay. I made my own job, right? I mean, there was no job. There, yeah. was, there was nothing. And, but um, it, people used to say to me at that time, oh, you know, it must be so depressing to be in economic development in times like this. I know, oh, it's exciting. We now have an opportunity to do things that we would never have had the opportunity to do before. So... And, and I think that's one of the, when I was talking to Gary and I've talked to other people, you know, at the chamber, but Gary, again, with you guys both being, um, you know, seasoned, we'll call you seasoned vets. <laughs> oh, at, good. At, Thank seasoned you. Seasoned vets. <laughs> Better um, than old. Experience. Yeah, not old, but <laughs> experienced. Um, that, you know, I think that you guys have seen, it's kind of like that underdog mentality, but I think, mm-hmm. you know, do you guys, do you think you thrive off that kind of being like you know, kind of the underdog, but seeing the growth that has happened over the last 25 years? I think I thrive when it is something that is challenging. Mm-hmm. So to do the same thing over and over again would not be interesting to me. Um, so to be able to have a, a, a challenge, let's let's make this thing happen. Uh, that's exciting to me. So, so when you, okay, so you get in the like when you say a challenge, like what's it? I was going to go kind of go in this later, but I think it's a segue. Like, what's a normal day for you? And I, when I say normal. <laughs> I use that very lightly because I think you're, you're kind of like when someone asks, what's the normal day of a realtor? Like, I did a podcast today. Like, I, I don't know. Like, it is a bunch of random stuff we do. But, um, like, what's a normal day for you back then? And then how has it transitioned to now? 
Oh, uh, well, you know, we were at the time when I when I started, I was really dealing mostly with really small businesses. So uh, a business that 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 sold typewriters or a, or a, or a or wine store or a, you know and, and a lot of them down by what where the base was so that 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 plaza down in the south end and those kind of things now um i mostly deal with we still have we still have services absolutely for small businesses they're the backbone of our organization but um the work that I do now often involves much larger projects, uh, bringing in a really large company that is going to also have all sorts of other needs, um, and that's that's really challenging. So back again, back then you're probably meeting with a lot of just like you said smaller companies mm-hmm. on like one-off meetings here and mm-hmm. there, and um, I mean, what was the process like? So the base closes, obviously not the high point, I guess, economically, but you said it. it op- it showed opportunity. It sure. showed different ways that you guys could now pivot and kind of grow and yeah. or capitalize on on you know probably not the best card deck or hand dealt, but you you guys made the best of it. So, um, what was the focus at right after the base closed? So what we saw as an opportunity was um, the the Canadian market and attracting businesses to our area from Canada. It seemed like the natural market for us. So you need to have something new, right? We had always had Canadian travelers. They came down, they ate in their restaurants, they stayed in their hotels, they shopped in their stores. But to get those companies, there was a start of a very small uh, movement to have warehouses and things here because it was so much less expensive. So capitalize on that. Let's let's, let's, uh, take that to the next level and start to try and get other businesses to come here and manufacturing to come here because those jobs pay better and uh, and start to, to make a, a whole new economy because that economy of the base was gone. Um, I, I don't think I asked, asked Gary this, but did the Canadian dollar affect the oh, exchange rate back then? Yeah, we're sitting at 62 cents. That's what I thought. So them yeah. coming down, was that challenging to get oh, over yeah. that hump? Yeah, yeah. So so you had you had a reduction in the amount of, of, of Canadian uh, traffic coming down for tourism. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then for us, shopping has always been a big part of that tourism. And then you had the the base leaving, and then you, you know, so there's there's all of these, you know, there's a perfect storm of of things happening. So, <clears throat> what was the big sell to the Canadians at the time? Like to get, I guess, to get over that hump. Sure. So the 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 the, the thing that we have always had going for us, and that you cannot buy, is geography. Mm-hmm. We are sixty miles from Montreal. We are 17 miles from the Canadian border. Um, and so we marketed ourselves as a gateway to the U.S. There are 320 or 30 million people in the United States, and there are 32 million in Canada. So you saturate the Canadian market a lot faster than you can saturate the U.S. market. So we offered them proximity. You can have your operation here. But you don't have to move to move everything here, all of the functions. You don't have to duplicate those. Because you can have your HR person or your engineer or your or your whatever you need uh that is a specialized position for a while as you grow, you can still have that person in Montreal and they travel down every day. If you put your operation in in, in North Carolina or Florida or Texas, then you have to duplicate those functions because you can't just have somebody go there for a day. And that was that was the big selling point. Well, yeah, that, and we still use that. 
And yeah, and, and I was gonna say I've, I've heard that before when uh, you know Gary had mentioned you know trying trying to, and I think uh, Joel did too when I was talking to Joel about Namstrand, like they were talking about you don't need everybody here, right? Technically, he goes especially the way digital how digital everything is. Um, so when you started, when did you start seeing like the first trend or first traction of getting companies down here? What year roughly? It was already starting a little bit in in the in the nineties, um, and those operations were mostly warehouses, and they were mostly um, uh, the just we're shipping some stuff down and we're going to distribute it out of the United States. And the 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 reason that they did that was because now you you have it on the U.S. side of the border. No matter how good you are. If you have a border in between with with the uncertainties of is it going to be able to clear your, your are your goods going to be able to clear are you going to be able to to are you going to have a hold up because uh, customs decides they want to look at something for three days or four days or a week mm-hmm. uh, you have uncertainty you put it on the U.S. side of the border and you've eliminated one degree of of uncertainty now if you need to ship it and you need to ship it and it needs to be there in two days you can say oh I can do I can do two day delivery and that was part of the expansion of the border up in uh, Champlain and it started like opening oh, up oh well that happened later that happened okay later. so this was even prior to that mm-hmm. um and what year was that roughly I'm trying to think now uh that was well it was probably 2002 2003 it was after 9-11 okay it was 9-11 affect a lot of it travel or did 9-11, 9-11 did affect the the uh the border um and and it it we had been saying for years and years, you need to improve this border. Mm-hmm. We can't have trucks sitting in, in, in lines that are mile long or two miles long waiting to get through. It's, it's, it's impeding commerce, right? You know, and, uh, but nobody seemed to really you know, do anything about it. But then after 9-11 happened, they were very concerned, the U.S. government was very concerned about security. And so they wanted to have more functions there for security. And that was, it was uh, then fortuitous that that also helped us to increase the capacity so that trade could move more freely. And I mean, now, what's the number again of Canadian companies down here? Oh, uh, well, uh, somewhere around 200. You know, it's hard to yeah. tell sometimes because they, they may be owned by a company. Who's owned by a company. So, so do you guys, like at the chamber, do you guys have like a master like map of all the businesses out there? No, I was wondering, like I was thinking, you know those maps that you have, like people when they travel, they put like a pin on like yeah. where they traveled. And then um, I've seen, um, I saw that, well actually, uh, Mike Cashman the other day posted a photo of someone had given him. And I have two of them hanging up when you first walk in. If you want to look, I, th- I think they were through the chamber or maybe strictly business back in the day, but they were kind of like cartoon images. Of, oh, yeah, yeah. Well, uh, we didn't do those, but they, they're they cool, yeah. But I was thinking, yeah, like looking at that, is there like this like database where you can just like zoom in and they have you guys have like everything like laid out of like these are all the companies that are uh, the spaces there, i mean someone obviously knows about them i just right. didn't know if there was this master like draft copy that you can just say like, no. oh they moved here and they moved here and you're kind of like just, google does that yeah there you go i was gonna say this is simple <laughs> i don't need to do that google does that see, see this, is, this is the thing i think people think i'm like way smarter technology wise and i'm not i'm just like i think that like I was watching my kid the other day on this on his like iPad thing doing this construction thing and he's like do this do 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 and I'm like how buddy. old is he he's three I'm yeah, like, yeah 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 it's like I'm like dude I like I'm sitting I'm like I I I'm fairly good like everybody's like oh you do all this technology I'm like okay 
Google and YouTube do a lot of work where I just like how to do this and I make it look like I know what I'm doing. Yeah. But then when I get into the nuts and bolts, I'm like, I don't, I got to like look up this thing. I got to read a bunch of manuals. And yeah. it, so that's, like I said, probably the easy answer. Google, Google, Google always has the Google answer. Google does it, right? Um, <laughs> so how is your, what's your days like now? So you transition, like, do you find that your job, how much has your job changed since when you started? Oh, in some ways it's changed a lot, but in some ways it hasn't really changed at all. I mean, we still have, so uh, a member, you know, contacts us and they have a, they have a question, you know, what do I do about this? I've, I've got, I've got a, 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 there's a, a situation with an employee or I've got a regulatory issue or I have a, a question about what I should do about, about this particular thing or I, I've got, I need to contact, find somebody to, that could sell me this thing, you know, that I need or uh, you never know. It's that's what makes it interesting, right? Do you handle most of those, or is that? Well, everybody does. Everybody does. Okay, so I mean, is your calls that come into the chamber and then just so they direct try, the sue? They try and get them to the person who might give like, them the answer. It's like the old directory know? when you pull out the phone and make yeah. the call lines and yeah, stuff. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so um, the funny thing was, I want to kind of go back a little bit because you said my first questions were, "How did you get your start? How did you get to the chamber?" And how'd you get into economic development, which you told me that it basically just all circled around owning a business. So mm-hmm. um, I wasn't, I was not aware of what you owned before, but tell people who, what you own prior to the current gig. I owned, I owned the International House of Pancakes in the ni- early nineties. And, yeah. and the, the reason I smile is because it, it, it's IHOP, but like, yeah. is that, was that, have you ever called it IHOP? Or was oh it, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, just, yeah. you always say like the, the full term and I'm like, I, I don't know if people realize what it actually stands for because it's just like right. IHOP, but um, the same building, it was the same A-frame, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Was that built for IHOP, or yeah. was that yeah. is that like? Yeah. And I wasn't the first owner of it. Yeah, but that was a, that's wasn't that the way the IHOPs looked back yeah. then? Yeah, okay, long time ago. Yeah, that was kind of it was a, <laughs> it was a, it was the design I think like to a, look like a Tyrolean building, you know? Yeah, well now it looks like a like a was it a chalet like a Swiss yeah. like yeah. ski yeah, chalet yeah, yeah. like yeah. it looks like it should be dropped in Wilmington. Yeah, but um, yeah, it's Michigan's plus now. But I just remember that as a kid and um, like even. The other day, uh, the Lums came up, oh, yeah. like where Lums used to be, and I was like, "I used to love to go there." Yeah, I remember going as a kid. I, yeah. I mean, I was young at the time when it. I think it probably closed down. Probably, I don't know, was in maybe high school or something. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but we start hearing these old, old, uh, you know, businesses that were there, and how much things have evolved over time. Yeah. It's just like, yeah. oh my god, I do remember that place. And yeah, like what was what was the restaurant scene back then? You had IHOP. You had obviously like, you know, not as many chains as you see now, but. There were different chains, you know, uh, and and that's the thing that happens is 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 in in the economy things evolve, and so although the businesses that are here now and uh, the manufacturing operations that are here now are different than they might have been fifteen twenty years ago, um, one comes in, one goes out, and as 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 the economy changes, as taste changes, as needs changes, as needs change, needs change, then then you need to adapt. And I think the thing that that we as a community have done well is we've adapted. So we've remained strong. When you look at other communities um, and where they are now and where they were 20 years ago, it's a it's a really good success story. It- I would, I would attribute like the North Country, it's like, again, kind of like a, the stock market, you know, when it goes up and down, up and down, like you're always going to have the ups and the downs, but it's always climbing. Like, you know what I mean? Like yeah. it, over time, it's, it's like continued to go up and up. And um, I think there's been a big resurgence over, you know, I always wonder, is this just because I'm now a little bit more aware of stuff as I've gotten older and, you know, a little more like 
you know, have, have a career and have a family. And I, I think I pay attention to things more now than I did when I was a kid. Um, but it just seems like a lot of things have popped up recently and it seems like there's a lot of development recently, mm-hmm, which, mm-hmm. um, now when a lot of those companies come in, are you, what's your role, I guess, when a company comes in or what's your role as an economic, you know, the vice president of economic development, like in regards to these companies coming to sure. the North country? Well, you never know how they're going to come in. You know, they, they, they hear of us somehow and we put tools out there that we hope draws them to us. So we just started a new website. We just launched it yesterday. Um, the, it's, it's called NYMTL and it's a foreign direct investment uh, website. So, the it's in French, it's in English, so that the that people from Canada and Quebec can can be comfortable with it. It has all sorts of facts about you know our area and what we have for transportation. So what's the website again? Nymtl.com. Nym. Oh, New York Montreal. New York Montreal. Absolutely. There you go. Because that's that's our main market, right? Now, do, do companies come from other places? Absolutely. They come from Australia. They come from New Zealand. They come from all over the place. They come from every place except for us, uh, Antarctica. But um, <laughs> they just had a big glacier thing break off of that. You see yeah, that? Well, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, they saw like the drone footage, and it was like this big, just long crack. I'm like, that's yeah. not. Okay, but, but anyway, um, yeah. So um, the, the 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 we try to put information out there so that they find us, and they say, "Oh, that place might be interesting." So if a site selector is looking for a place to put the expansion of their business or new new operation or they're they're uh, starting a, a a new business, let's say a technology business or something, we want them to be able to find us. And hopefully then they contact us because our contact information is on there. Do, do you, if a company comes here and, and again, I'm assuming when they call you, you're, you're the one, you know, heading kind of the initial like, you know, plan or steps to get them here and the knowledge and information and setting up the meetings and. Yeah, we need to work with all our partners. And the other great thing about our area is we work together very nicely. So, uh, you know, when when you have something like this happening, you need a lot of different parties involved. You need, you need the state of New York that uh, may have incentives for the company. Companies would like that, mm-hmm. you know. They'd like to have some kinds of, of help to put their, their business where they're creating jobs. Um, you you need the the people who are in the the development uh, the real estate uh, industry. You need people who are uh, able to supply the things that the that the company needs. The company comes here and they need internet and they need they need copy um, equipment and they need racking and they need all sorts of. Well, you never know. It depends on what kind of business it is, but they need a lot of things. So we try to connect them to all of those resources. Oh, and you need. To be able to, to incorporate your company and it'd be good if you had an accountant so you could figure out what you owe in taxes you know all those things i, I remember uh and again when, when gary was talking about it he was like he goes not to offend you because everybody's got real estate because he was saying to me, me at the start and i said well that makes sense you want to come in like you said the tax laws and what's the incentives and what's yeah. the things they don't even aren't even aware of usually their first thought is real estate and yes. they're like let's flip that around they like are. They, yeah. they say, Which makes I need sense. a building. Well, you do, but yeah. you also need all these other things. So let's and, think about that. So, so when when you have somebody, I look at like my business as when someone comes to me and says, "I want to buy or I want to sell," I was like taught early on: think of yourself, and again, it's different, but think of yourself as like a doctor. A doctor wouldn't just go in and say, "Well, here's medicine. Like here's a house." Right. Like you look at it, like, well, what's what's your issue? What's your diagnosis? Mm-hmm. Let me diagnose the problem. And I try to look at the same way because everybody wants to buy and sell, and I'm like. 
buying and selling, you don't just wake up one day and say, I want to buy or sell something. Typically, it's over time or a life event, marriage, mm-hmm. death, you know, divorce, kids, mm-hmm. up, you know, downsizing or getting mm-hmm. new, you know, having babies. And so you look at all these things that I always start from like, what's the goal? And let's work our way back. And mm-hmm. does it even make sense to buy or sell? And I've exactly. talked to both people, buyers and sellers that are doing exactly that because and again, that's like counterproductive to what I should be doing. But at the end of the day, it's if it's not taking care of the person, I'm like, listen, you don't want to do this. You don't want right. to buy. You're going to move in two years. You plan on renting this thing or no? Okay, you're going to have no equity. Just rent Just uh, rent and have almost no ties. You can pack up in a month and leave. Mm-hmm. Same thing with a seller. It's like, well, you don't have the cash and or it doesn't really make much sense to move there versus, you know what I mean? If you're making right. a small jump or whatever. Yeah. So do you guys look at that when people come? Yeah. Like, have you told people not to come down here? What what we do is we help them to look at it and, and see what is the best for them. So, you know, uh, most of the time people say, yep, I want a building. I, I want a building. I, I need a building. And I, I need, um, hmm, well, I think I need uh, 2,000, 10,000, uh, 40,000. I don't know. I need 20 foot ceilings. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. But we, we try and, and get them then to, to take a little step back and, is it time? Is it time for you to actually buy that building or lease that building? Or should you be working with a third-party logistics company for a little while? Mm-hmm. Maybe they could send out your goods. Because if you come down and you and you get that building, now you're also going to have employees. And now you've got to figure out all the things about the taxes and the, and the withholdings and the laws and all of those things. So maybe you take it a little bit slower and you do it this way. And they're, and and then those companies are very thankful that they've not jumped into something that was not ready they weren't ready for. And that's where we get most of our growth is these little things that then become bigger things that become bigger things and bigger things and bigger things. Do you think that's because you laid a solid foundation at the start? Plus we we or gain the trust and, you know, yeah. took baby steps? Yes, but I think also we we don't just let's sign the lease or sign the contract and then bye. Mm-hmm. What we want to do is we want to be the kind of community that is working with these companies for the life of their time here so that we keep them here, hopefully, for a longer period of time, that we help them to grow, that we help them through their issues so that they can remain strong and those jobs can remain in our community. Do, do you do you find that companies are... And I, and I know this hasn't, it's probably tough to answer because it's not, you haven't seen the full um, like lifespan of these companies, but do you find they're, they're staying around longer than they typically would in the past with like extra effort or with like you said, more, a little bit more of a hands-on or, you know, long-term approach to things? Do you find that they're staying like not as much turnover as you might've seen in the past? Or do you find that the companies that are coming in are really have made a good, you know, stay in the community and haven't left, haven't come in and I think most of the companies like it here. Um, there are things that happen sometimes that are not in the control of us or in, of them. You know, uh, they get they get sold. There's a merger or something. You know, and and the the company then has has duplicate assets. You know, and and so those kinds of things happen. But well, there have been just recently there have been uh, instances where companies have decided, oh, well, I'll, I'll add to my operation here. I could have put it in Arizona where I had something. I could have put it in California where I had something, but. I like Plattsburgh, and so I'm going to I'm going to grow grow it here. There instead. was one that recently, right? Yeah, couple, yesterday. Yeah, it was yesterday. <laughs> yeah. that's the one I that's the one I saw with the ribbon cutting. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have it, to go to a lot of those? Uh, I, well, you know, uh, I don't. You might have been in the photo, to be honest. I, I was. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, I was the one holding the ribbon. You know, <laughs> I was, well, everybody's got masks Joel, on. Joel, I, Joel and I were holding the ribbons on either end. Okay. <laughs> 
That, that makes sense because I, I, th- I thought I saw Joel. I'm like, I don't know if that's Joel, but it's like the angle they take it at. Like, oh, yeah. I, I recognize Gary and Mark and Mike. Those yeah, are the only ones. Right, yeah. right, yeah. And that was interesting because that was that kind of instance where the, the company has has assets in, in, in Montreal. They wanted to have... Uh, they wanted to have the same kind of operation in the U.S. and they had something in California and they had something here and they decided that they were going to put it here. Over California? Yeah. So when you have companies that come here, have you noticed, is there areas in the country that are like your biggest rivals? And maybe you won't think of them as rivals, but like, do you, have you heard people say, well, it's either here or there? And Oh, sure. Yeah. And, and um, usually those um, are the geographically close ones other than us, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, they might be looking at Vermont. They might be looking at uh, Pennsylvania. Um, the nice thing for us is that for manufacturing, at least uh, here in the in in New York, the manufacturing income tax rate is zero. And the reason they made that decision was because there are so many jobs created with manufacturing, and they're good paying jobs. Right? And this is all of New York State. That's New York State. And if you look at Pennsylvania, it's uh, nine something. You look at mm. uh, Vermont, it's nine point nine. So uh, I think that's right. It might have been reverse, but anyway, it's way more than zero. You yeah. know, and so automatically the company has an incentive that you don't even have to apply for. It doesn't run out. You just don't have to do that. And, and again, with you know, being a pretty much a straight shot north or south to the cities to two yeah. major cities, I think helps too. It does because I mean, if you want to get to Vermont, you've got to go on secondary roads. Yeah, and I mean that's that could add three, four, five hours to your trip. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. that's no, like Geography. I said, I think. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, again, it's 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 probably mentioned Gary a lot, but it was like the strategic part of it. Gary said he's Absolutely. very strategic, and I, are you you same way? Oh yeah, I was gonna know, say I, I I don't I don't really uh, uh, I don't really enjoy the, the 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 things that are not strategic. I want to be you know what is the next thing? Not your brain to go and like right? challenge. Yeah, you know. Do you play board games? I used to play a lot of board games, um, but what, uh, what board games do you play? I used to love to play Risk. That's that's the one I was saying. I'm like, you have to be like a war kind of game, right? Or like you a, know, you just take over the world. But it, it's uh, well, the funny. So my brother and I would would, would just oh, I, I, I love Risk. That was yeah. I haven't played it in years, but it was um, there was another was it another game? It was like a World War Two or some kind of game, and, and I think uh, Calv- the cavalry or whatever. It was mm-hmm. it was a. Uh, I forgot what the name of that one was. It wasn't Risk. was another one. But Risk was the main one I played. And I just loved it because you go to the countries and you mm-hmm, like... Mm-hmm. And I was always, as a kid, history was always my favorite because of mm-hmm. stories. So it's just mm-hmm. like old stories. And I, I used to love like the American Revolution. And I used mm-hmm. to like, you know, we didn't get it. I, we, it always seemed like we had to do the American Revolution like every other year, which I loved. But I was <laughs> yeah. like, I knew it so well. And then yeah. like the Civil War, I was like, eh, I'm a little fuzzy on that. But um, no, that's what I was wondering from a strategic standpoint, mm-hmm. like... Risk is all about. Strategy. Oh yeah, you have to figure out which country is it more important for me to do from a from a long term standpoint. So, this is actually kind of funny, and I don't know if this is a good omen, a bad omen. I not a good omen, a bad omen, whatever. So, in December of 2019, mm-hmm. during like Christmas time, my brother in law is in epidemiology. Yeah. Okay, okay. that's the study of disease. Or yeah, whatever it is, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. So sickness, disease, whatever. So he ends up bringing to our house this game called Pandemic. Oh. So I, I've never heard of this game. I didn't really even know what a pandemic was until two days ago. Where epidemic is like a, it's like a 
when the disease is kind of contained, like within mm-hmm. a country or an area, and the mm-hmm. pandemic is when it starts spreading to other countries. Because it's pan. That's what my wife said. She goes <laughs> yeah. like Pan America. I'm yeah. like, oh, okay. Oh, well, yeah, yeah. Again, you're talking to me. I, I know, I know a lot about a few things. Not a lot. So I like that was something I was like. Oh, I took Latin. You know, hey, that's there you go. Thing. I was like, I, I'm like, I, I took eight years of French. You can't speak French, so you can see how my. Yeah, I'm not Latin. No way. So, but we play this game called Pandemic. Mm-hmm. But think of like risk mixed with medical okay. diseases and. It was the only board game I've ever played where it gave me anxiety because you'd flip over a card and all of a sudden it was like, they like like split more stuff on the board. And like, okay, yeah. listen, we couldn't even tackle what we needed to tackle. Mm-hmm. Now, and that was the idea. It was like pandemic mm-hmm. spread. Mm-hmm. So, if you're ever looking for a strategic board game, I think you would crush it. Mm-hmm. I think you and Gary just playing one on one would have a ball. <laughs> Maybe would. throw in Joel or someone yeah, else. Yeah, right. There. there we go. Oh, yeah. You'd probably wait, throw in wait. Christy because I think Christy would just smack there you talk. Go. But, yeah, there we go. <laughs> but you guys would just, but I just think like, she'd be going, nope. <laughs> yeah, she'd do glitter or something on the board, and next thing you know, she just she found the cure. So if, but I think I think I think something like that, um, the strategic part of it, yeah. That, I mean, I don't know. The board game was a tangent, but the idea of like that's I figured you'd be good at those things. I just were you good at it or just enjoyed I, it? I was. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say you can, you brag when my brother and I would play. You know, it, that was um, it was like oh I'm gonna win, no I'm gonna win. You know, and it would get really intense. I, I think I think board games is always the ones that could end up with like the families fighting. But I said yeah. like my kids are young, I can't wait to play board games because which is probably not good because my wife's super competitive. So <laughs> way more than I I am. I, I'm not verbally competitive. She she will get into it. Um, when it comes down to like the economic development aspect, what do you think is the hardest thing to navigate in your business? What is the hardest thing to navigate? Well, I think the thing that um, that is the most challenging is in economic development. There's never a beginning. There's never an end, right? <laughs> it's it's a uh, and and if you're the kind of person who needs um, instant gratification, economic development is not for you. We just had a company come in, um, in, uh, it was during the pandemic we worked with them for six years and we'd go to trade shows and we'd say, so how are you guys doing? Are you, you, you ready? You know, I know you've, 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 you've pulled the, the back a little bit mm-hmm. on your, on your plans. Uh, how are you going? You think you might be ready pretty soon? And, oh yeah. We think, well, you know, we need some more contracts. And, and they'd see them, you know, six months later, or we'd send them an email. So you're, you're constantly, you have all of these things in various stages. And so you need to keep track of where everybody is and what they're doing and what they might do. And so, so how do you keep that organized? So lots of spreadsheets. Okay. Yeah. Um, on the screen, or you guys like print this stuff off and just like usually on the screen, I, you know. But uh, it, but that it, we actually uh, have an economic developer group. It's uh, it's uh, 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 the, all the local um, economic developers from the counties in the mm-hmm. North Country, you know. And one of the one of the um, people who's on, in the group said yesterday, I'd like to talk about like to talk about CRM, you know, customer mm-hmm. relation management systems, you know. And I said, oh, I don't know, I've tried a lot of them. And and it's just it really gets down to you just got to have it there and remember that and put that okay, I'm going to check this one today and I'm going to check this one today. Yeah, cuz I think <clears throat> like I use everything like a web based, so I have a CRM that I use mm-hmm. and my memory is terrible. So like I put everything on there and I just, that's what keeps me organized and mm-hmm. we all run off of it. So I know another friend of mine that has a, has done very well and grown his company and uses Excel spreadsheet. And I'm mm-hmm. like, how, how, like, I just, I don't, I just don't understand. And <laughs> I mean, they have a system that works and I'm sitting there and I'm in my head. I'm like, but this is, 
like, cause I can, I can put out, you know, tracking and calls. So if I had like, I, if I had to reach out to you, I could reach out to you, put my notes in, I could move your call date out and I would mm -hmm. I just set it and forget it. And then mm -hmm. you pop up six months later, three months later, a week mm -hmm. later, whatever. And I'm like, Oh, that's right. Sue, read the notes. I'm like, oh, okay, now I'm caught mm -hmm. back up. Um, so you have a system like that, right? You I have, have it spreadsheet. It's a, yeah, it's, it's my system or our system is, is really spreadsheets. Yeah. Yeah. So how many like clients do you think you guys, I say clients, but like possibility, I guess a clients or whatever relationships that you have to, you think maintain at any given time. And I know some of these are probably only once or twice a year, but. Right. Oh, probably between 50 and 75, maybe. That's pretty cool. Kinda, you know, I mean, kinda they're bigger clients too. They're, you know, right. fa fairly big, you know, it's not just you're doing a quick transaction. Like you said, this takes right. some nurturing and re relationship building and yeah, getting to right? know Yeah, right, you know, and over, the, over time and just seeing them and hoping that when they really are ready to make that decision that they that they that we are top of mind oh i should talk to those people down in Plattsburgh. you know those nice people do you do you think you guys have potentially gotten some people to commit here because knowing you or knowing gary or knowing someone else that comes from the chamber and they see you not 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 Plattsburgh chamber but you personally like over time, they get to know Sue. They get to they know Gary. Yeah, sure. Because it, because business is relationships, right? Yeah, I mean, you exactly. know that you're a real estate. Yeah, that uh, you you, know, it's all relationship. Building. It's all relationship. Mm -hmm. It's the same in economic development. People like to do business with people that they feel comfortable with. People that they know that they're going to help them. People that are going to go that extra mile and say, "Oh, okay. Well, I know your question was this, but have you considered this?" Yeah, and you you. And you built up the trust factor where some of these people, like you said, if it's six years, you're dealing with the same person for six years. Meaning if there's not a, you know, there's turnover obviously in every company, but if you find that like, hey, we're always talking to Bill and Sue, mm -hmm. and not, maybe I should use a different name than Sue, but Bill and Jane, and they know Sue, and you know, they constantly know you, that do you think that that might, I would think it would sway them over potentially to Plattsburgh versus somewhere in maybe Michigan that might have a proximity to, you I know, think Toronto. I think if it can make sense. I mean, it has to, it has to make sense for them, right? Mm -hmm. I think that, uh, that certainly they would like to do business with them. And it's not just me. I mean, there's, there's all the other people that they are forming relationships within our community as they, as they get to, as we, we set up meetings for them with, with other people who can help them. And so that that is a community of people helping them, not just one person. And I think that makes a big difference. But it has to make sense for them. If the customer is in, wants them next to them and they're in Texas, well, then you got to go to Texas. Are, are, do you travel a lot? Yeah, for, actually, not well, not right well, now. Not yeah. right now, but but 2019 yeah. and before. Yeah, it, it, that was that has been one of the things that, as an economic developer, has has kind of made it interesting right is it we, i do travel how, how i mean like in a month you're probably gone once or twice a month like for for a uh, week or a week couple of days a few days uh, mostly um you know we we do some um trips up to canada there'll be more, you know, multiple days in normal times mm -hmm. uh, not not right now or uh go to the uh to the shows in the big aerospace uh shows in uh, europe those are longer um, and you like to travel I do like to travel. I, I do. Um, I've liked to like to travel since I was a kid, so it kind of works out. So wh where do you? I mean, this is obviously was that one of the th reasons why you took the gig, or is this before you the travel? No, was a I good didn't thing? really even. No, when I started, there was no travel. I yeah. was going to. I was going. You to just South, wrote that in the job description. Right? I was going to South Plattsburgh. Yeah. <laughs> Hey, it's a it's a heck of a trip, man. It's yeah, just, right. Hope yeah, the roads are good, right? Yeah, right. Uh, so West Plattsburgh sometimes. You know? That's yeah. the uh, 
Um, so, like, what's your favorite places to travel? You like an international travel? You, domestic I do like travel? An, I do like international travel, though there are so many beautiful places to go in the United States. I've been in all fifty states because my my yeah. family liked to travel. So by the time I was, you know, left home, I only had three states left to go to. Are you from in this area? No, I'm not. Where were you from? I was born in Pittsburgh. Uh, Steel, Pennsylvania. Are you a Steel fan? Steel I am fan? a Steelers fan. Yeah, you know. Okay. Yeah, and, you know, it's, it's you know, it's uh, it's Steel Town. Well, well, it was not my, anymore. My my, uh, my uncle's a big Steelers fan, so I actually root for the Steel. I'm a Giants fan, so like they're in the AFC, so I actually do root for the Steelers a lot. Steelers fans and Cubs fans, you know, we're kind of crazy. We just you know, we, it doesn't matter whether they're winning or losing. We, do you have Do you have a terrible towel? I do not have a terrible towel. Okay. I do not have a terrible towel. We'll have to work on that. We'll have to yeah. see if we can ship you up one. Right? Is your family still down there? No, uh, my family is not. We moved when uh, I was, uh, I think, 13. Um, to, uh, my father was a, was a researcher for uh, Westinghouse. His job was to develop semiconductors. Started out in thyristors and transistors and uh, oh, those okay. before the semiconductors existed, you know. And uh, so he was, he was a physicist. So he... Uh, he, he worked for Westinghouse, and um, he changed companies, went to work for General Electric. So we moved to uh, the Syracuse area, um, and he worked on Carrier Circle in uh, Syracuse. And uh, then they, the semiconductor business is, it just goes up and down and up and down. And uh, so it, during one of the town downtimes, uh, GE decided they didn't want to be in the semiconductor business anymore. And so he moved back to, to Pittsburgh to work for a, a, a GE and Westinghouse and another Japanese company formed a spinoff and he went to work for them. But by that time I was grown and so I was, I was off. So did you graduate out in Syracuse? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then college? I didn't go to college. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That's fine. I, I, I didn't. Uh, I, I, I went to a lot of things later on, college courses, but I didn't go to college right out of high school. What did you do right out of high school then? I got married. <laughs> okay. That's... I got married uh, to, and, and, uh, uh, went to North Carolina. Uh, he was a military man. Do, do you find that, was that kind of taboo back then not to go to college or was that? Oh, my parents were very upset with me because uh, they were, they, they, they had, they, they pictured me um, as the, the child. I was the eldest child and I was the one who was always good in school. So I was the one who was supposed to go and do all that. Well, they were very well, upset with me. So my son is three. Our oldest is three. And I was just talking to my wife, something about like, oh, go to, you know, I don't know. Oh, he's about going into, makes me feel, I mean, it sounds crazy, but it makes me feel old. He's looking at going into pre, like preschool or pre-K or whatever they're going into now. So. Um, but we were talking about college and my wife said something about not going to college. And I'm like, that'd be like, I went to college and I was always one. I probably shouldn't, but I shouldn't have for what I ended up doing. But it was one at, you know, 18 years old. You don't know what you're doing. So I'm like, I guess I'll go to college. Cause that's mm-hmm. just kind of the natural step. Mm-hmm. Um, like my dad never went to college. I know a lot of people that didn't go to college. So I always ask people, you know, a lot did, where'd you go to school? And it's, it's depending on generationally, you know, it's, People your generation typically say, hey, I went to school or whatever. Mm-hmm. And same thing, I think a lot of my generation, I think my, like my kids and stuff, there's going to be less and less saying I went to college. I went, they probably have a, you know, like I said, you can do a lot with the internet now with courses and, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, you know, going into, or even for like a year course versus, or trade or something like that, which I think is going to make a big comeback because a lot of the trade, again, this is my theory mm-hmm. is that a lot of, and you probably have seen this too, like the trades, there's a lot of people retiring out of the trades and, I don't know many of the trades. I you try can to make a lot of money working in this, the trades. This is this is my thing. If if real estate doesn't work out, my podcast career ends today. I mean, <laughs> this is nothing. We're gonna like. I thought about going back, taking a year, 
and learning like an apprentice and just going and learning from a trade company and mm-hmm. then op- eventually opening up a business. I like business, but something around where there's going to be demand and like, un- I mean, I think plumbing and heating and electric oh. are around for the long haul, you know? Oh yeah. And, and, uh, plumbers make a lot of money. I know. And I'm saying, <laughs> I'm like, I I'm in my head, like in the back of like one of my g- gigs would be to try to figure out, and I don't know the stuff yet, but I'm like, if I can learn it mm-hmm. and I can apply like the basic techniques and get good at it and then kind of build, like put the business on top of that in my head, I'm like, that would actually be a kind of a cool business, mm-hmm. but you don't want me doing your electrical right now. I switch outlets, but I, like, again, I gotta, I gotta learn it. It's like anything else you have to learn it, but I have an interest in it because it, you gotta look at where supply, especially in business. Like, I mean, where's, what's going to be in demand in, you know, a few years versus what was like, you start seeing these trans like things transitioning out the trades. I think you're actually going to go see it go more because we're at such a, like, there's not many people that can do it. Well, I hope so. Um, I think that, uh, there's an education, um, element that that uh, needs to be done because people are not seeing and their parents are not seeing um, the trades as being something that can be a good career and so they're not entering the careers that could be very profitable for them college is a great thing you know I, I love learning so I went back and did learning things through mm-hmm. colleges or other institutions and got certifications and all those kinds of things later in life but um, college is uh, not the path for everyone and it's not the best path for everyone so how'd you get to Plattsburgh I came for a job. I was working at the IHOP in Auburn, New York. and uh, Oh, and just transferred up. I transferred up. Um, so do you think that you were, because you said you went back and did your courses and you did stuff. Um, I went like, to the community college. Yeah, yeah, yeah and, but like, did you find that not being 18 years old when you would have went versus how old you were when you went, did you find that that was enough time for you to really develop what you actually wanted to do? I think or I, had at least an interest in. I, I think when I went back to the, when I went to the community college, I, I just knew that I that I needed to learn some skills that could really help me to to get good jobs, right? Um, but but when I when I went um, to get my certifications, it was because it supported what I'm doing. So I when uh, I went and got the certification to be a professional in human resources, so I could better understand human resource law, because a really big part of what companies needed to know, right? Mm-hmm. They need to know how does this stuff all work, and how do I make sure that I'm complying, and make sure that I'm, my policies are are policies that can help me to retain and and, and attract the, the 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 people that I need. And then I got certified as an economic developer, which really, that one is a no-brainer, right? You mm-hmm. need to. This was after you had the, the economic, economic development job. You yes. were with the chamber at this point. Yes. Okay. Right. You I was going to say that's a great foreshadowing. He, he no, <laughs> no, the cha- and the and and Gary was very supportive. He said, you know, I want you to be able to 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 do this, um, and and I, I we will help you to do that. So they gave me the time and the resources to be able to um, get those certifications. And you're. Let me see. The status of certified economic developer by the International Economic Development Council. Yes. Okay. And that's, and again, I got, we did a little background search on you. So like we got like oh. very, very sophisticated search. Again, Google, thank you. But um, <laughs> Google's it, great. What did we do before Google? <laughs> I, I'll be honest. I was thinking that the other day. I'm like, I like having a phone on you at all times. And oh, you just yeah. pull out and figure it. Like, I'm like, man, there's just simpler times when you just had to. Yeah. I, it's just funny. I mean, again, I, 
Yeah, but the, so the so the International Economic Development Council um, is that like the is that the, like the top economic because I mean international, but is that like the the big the big certification? Yeah, yeah. There's only eleven hundred, I think, about uh, certified mm-hmm. economic That's developers in the world. Yeah, and you're so, one of them. And I, yeah, it, it's a, it's it, a, it's a big long process, but and this is something you have to renew. Yeah, every three years. Yeah. Okay, because I saw something. I think it was in one of the publications North Country, uh, the Chamber put out, and they said you had gotten yeah recertified in whatever. Yeah, it's just like a lot of other professions in the real estate. You have to do you know continuing, continuing, edu- continuing education and uh, you know be involved in in the in the in the field and be involved in the organization. And I served on I serve on the international committee of the of the uh, International Economic Development Council. Of that council. Yeah. Oh wow! So you're, you're like you can peacock a little bit. You're you're pretty big, high up within this. I, oh, I don't know about that, but uh, I mean, at the eleven hundred, if you're like, they're asking you to be on some stuff. You're, oh you're, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, because uh, they're for us, our our uh, economic development is chiefly um, international. International. It's cross border, right? You know. So how many? I guess this is so eleven hundred across the entire world. So, um, would you say like international? I guess in the United States, how many most places though you think would have some type of international presence? It doesn't necessarily mean you're right next to Canada. Sure, I mean, you sure. could be like Middle America and have some oh, sure. I mean, you look European at places country. like uh, like Wichita. Okay, so yeah. Wichita is big in the uh, in in the aerospace industry, and, and they they have been for a long, long time. So they've got a lot of international companies that are there, and you don't think about that in Kansas, but <laughs> are are you um are, have you become more fascinated with certain companies now being in, like having worked with them? Or is it just kind of oh, like? Yeah, yeah. I mean, do you find like you have a real big liking to like the aerospace now, or or you know, um, take like Nova Bus with like the buses? Yeah. Like, do you find that not not necessarily just the company, but what they actually do is that also? Oh well, that's what the most fun things about my job is we get to go to all, and I know I'm like I'm a geek about it, but but you get to go to all these places and see all these cool things that are made in our community. And in, and in other communities as well, right? But, you know, it's like you go and you say, wow, so we make this stuff that is used worldwide. We put stuff in planes that people fly on. We put, you know, these buses. I was in, I was in Hawaii, right? I'm in Hawaii. I'm at this thing. It's this blowhole thing, right? You mm-hmm. know, where you, you go and you look and the, the, like water, geyser kind the of water hits, the, hits the, the, the lava and it shoots up, you know, from, from the ocean, you know. And... I, I look down in the parking lot, and here's a Prevo bus, bus, it, it, all wrapped in uh, this you know tropical tree uh, leaf thing uh, mode. And I, so I took a picture and I said it to everybody, "Look, I saw a, a Prevo." And that has bus. to be made in Plattsburgh. It was actually made in the Saint Eustache, uh, um, uh, which is their which is their other plant. But uh, you know, Prevo makes buses yeah. here. And I was in uh, I was in uh, China one time, and I they they took us on the um, on the um, the, the 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 fast train they have this really 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 oh, fast train yeah. okay, that goes yeah. from Shanghai to uh, to the airport right nobody really rides it except for the tourists but but uh, it, and, and it was a Bombardier train it had Bombardier on the on the on the footplate as you walked in it, again that, not made in Plattsburgh but uh, the same company the same company yeah. it it is it is pretty it's, it's kind cool. of cra- yeah it's it is cool because it's like it almost feels like if you travel and see something that reminds you of home it almost feels like you're like 
it's like a comfort thing. It's like, yeah. oh, that's like. Oh, and if I was, it, it was in, it was in Albany one time, and uh, and I was there was a train, and the train actually said on the undercarriage, it said Plattsburgh, New York. That train was made right here at Bombardier, which is just, I don't know, it's just so cool. I I think, well, I think because, I think Plattsburgh's got a different. We talk about like, you know, like a North Country pride kind of thing, like. Plattsburgh's small enough that it catches your attention. Where mm-hmm. if you're in Wichita, you see Wichita, it probably doesn't jump out at you as much. You know, if you're like, mm-hmm. hey, it's built in Chicago, you're like, okay, well, there's so yeah, many things Chicago, in Chicago. Yeah. You're like, Plattsburgh, wait. Like that, that's like an attention grabber. The things that are made here, pieces of Boeing Dreamliner planes are made in Plattsburgh. The stuff that is on HGTV all the time, where, you know, you have the, the, the guys, they're all tiling and they have that orange stuff on the wall. Oh, yeah, sure. At Schluter, right? Mm-hmm. That's made here in Plattsburgh. The lighting is is made well, at Swarovski. I did my internship there, and I remember um, there was a couple. You know, every once in a while you'll see like I remember they were in like the James Bond films, where all the chandeliers that were made in Plattsburgh they were and, made in Plattsburgh. Yeah, yeah. And it was. Uh, and I was a James like I love James Bond movies. So as a kid, when I remember going there for uh, college. As an internship, that was one of the things they said. I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool that this is, you know, it's literally made down in the warehouse down like, you know, yeah, which right? is right on, you know, you know, and it's, um, so what do you think is the coolest thing made in Plattsburgh? Oh, goodness gracious. Or the thing that nobody would know that we make that you'd be like, you didn't know this was made in Plattsburgh, but it's a really over surprise people. I think that, I think, uh, the, the, the titanium part that is made in at Norsk. Mm-hmm. I don't think people know that uh, that those those are made here. Norsk is relatively new. Now that's a Norwegian company, mm-hmm. and um, and so what they are making is a, a a part that is made out of titanium in a whole new way. So normally, what they do when they make a part for a, a titanium part, and they use titanium because it's strong and because it's light. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also very expensive. And so what they do is they take this great big block of titanium and they squash it down so it's really, really dense. And this takes like a month. And then they have to take a machinery and they have to eat away at the at the edges of this thing until finally you get down to whatever size part it is that you're trying to make, which takes another couple of weeks. When Nor- Norsk makes a, a part... It doesn't even take a day to make this thing. It takes an hour or two hours. You've obviously been in the big warehouse, not warehouse, but the whatever they call it, the manufacturing part of Uh Norse. Like one Uh is blinding because it's all white. But like if you, um, have you seen like, you must have seen like the laser. Yeah. When they like give you the glasses. Yeah, you give the glasses. Yeah. You like look at it and it's like, it's pretty, I mean, they they show you like the finished product, but it's just like, it's like perfectly to scale. And she's like, and I don't know how many of those, they call them plasma or whatever the the machinery it's plasma, is. plasma, yeah, because it's wire, and they actually melt the wire, and it drips onto it. Yeah, it's it's like it's the, cool. it's an inc- incredible product, and they have like that little showroom you go through, and yeah, they're showing all but, the stuff, and yeah, um, this it feels like a little museum, but uh, yeah, nor- it's it's bizarre when you you drive by it, and it doesn't look any. It does it's, it's a building, but when right. you walk in, it feels like you're in a sci-fi movie, right. and it's so cool because you're like, wow, just on the inside, like you can probably Google it and see what the inside of Norse looks like, but it's a. Uh, I don't know if you can. Maybe. <laughs> I think on their website they have so like you kind of like see a little bit of this stuff, but yeah. um, it's very it feels very futuristic when you're yeah, in there. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, that's 
and a lot of the, a lot of the manufacturing facilities are like that, right? You know, I mean, you go into Bombardier, and and the the trains, the way they move the trains, so you know, the the alarm goes off, you know, burr, 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 and everybody moves out of the way, and then the train is actually lifted up by this huge crane and it moves to the next station where more things are going to be done to this train as part of making a shell into a train and it comes back down so they move the trains not the people like just a big assembly line but i gave what you're saying so the people can always stay in place the people stay in place and the train this great big huge train moves from place to place i i love the concept when the big the big companies are um you know, obviously running and doing their thing. It's like the amount of efficiency that they just mm-hmm. like squeeze out of everything. And that's something I've, I've tried like perfect example, like, like Elon Musk obviously is like bolted into like superstardom over the last year. But mm-hmm. like one of his things I've like watched about him is he always talks about trying to get to what is the absolute, I, I think I forgot what they called the, the term, but basically bringing it down to Stripping it down to like the most simplistic part of a process mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and trying to make that mo- as efficient as possible where you're not over like you're not being distracted by all the bells and whistles. But like what's what is the true thing that we're trying to do? And that could be, mm-hmm. you know, like I said, time or efficiency of doing some part. But he tries to find and again, I'm sure this is like a lot of companies like the most efficient way. And obviously Bombardier is like, let's put this thing up. Let's move it. Let's like spin this all around and just drop it. And then, like you said, it's just. It's easier to move that piece than it is to move all the people with their parts. Like everybody like, picks up a desk right. and like, shuffles with it. They stay where they are, right? And they learn they learn uh, a bunch of different tasks, but then those are the tasks that they do, and they're good at. They, mm-hmm. they get to where they're good at those. Tasks. At, at, at Nova Bus, there's a one station where the train is turned upside down. They they call it the rotisserie, so that the people can oh, gotcha. work on it without having to climb on the top of it, right? So or you, doing you, like a Michelangelo, like the painting on their back. Yeah, they can just right? stand there just, and you spin it around. And then you know you can work on it efficiently. Yeah. I went to Nova, so I was, I went to Plattsburgh State for supply chain management. Oh and yeah. Mm-hmm. So global supply chain management was, the, and, and again, Dr. Kim. Yeah, all these, all these. Yeah. Dr. I mean, great, great guys and gals, and and the thing was, I didn't do it. I never ended up like going into that field, but like I, I'm still fascinated by a lot of these companies and what they do because that was that was pretty much it. it was like the supply chain, the logistics. logistics uh-huh. the, yeah, it was all the. The process, and now I'm sitting there like, it's strategic, and like I like the like just the logistic aspect of moving, especially when you're talking international travel. And you're talking mm-hmm. about you know trying to find, uh, like even titanium. We talk about the, the 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 strength versus the weight, and trying to find the best way to do things, and everything's mm-hmm. always evolving. But that's the kind of stuff I like, like strategic. I think I'd still enjoy what I went for for college, but I just I I, I just I I think I didn't like the idea of like a an office job. I think if I would have mm-hmm. got into it, would have liked it more, but I like being out and about. And, mm-hmm. um, so I think it was just the, the more that that, but I don't think it was the total job, the idea of the job. Like mm-hmm. I think a lot of these companies, at least from a supply chain, are just very fascinating. And, and I'm sure this was, you know, over 10 years ago, taking that to now it's, it's completely trans, uh, it's completely different. The stuff I learned back then is probably obsolete or I wouldn't say obsolete, but there's a lot of, um, uh, you know, it has evolved over the last decade. The concepts are, are basically the same. You've got to get a thing from one place to the other place. You have to have it all coordinated so that all things are in the right place at the right time. You need them, but but I'm sure the methods of how they do that are now so, you know, technology has changed so many things. Are you a big tech person? I am, I am but I'm not exactly 
I'm not that that fantastic at it, but I love gadgets. I, I just oh, see, love gadgets. I watch or Apple oh yeah, watch? I, I love gadgets. You Are know? you an Apple person? I, I am now. Um, as far as my my my, do you, do you my have like tech, an iPhone? I have an iPhone. And do you have I, a MacBook? No, I don't. Okay. Uh, you know, you know, in business, we really kind of use. Uh, we really kind of use uh, XP or whatever they call Microsoft. it. Microsoft. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, like I'm, I'm a, I'm an Apple guy, which is fine. It's just I always find like when I text people and they have like the the blue, the iMessage, like uh-huh. I get excited. And then when someone has like green, I just feel like it never goes through. <laughs> it's like my my wife's like a, an Android yeah. Samsung person, yeah. and she hates Apple. And I'm yeah. like, I only buy Apple stuff, and so. It makes tough, it just makes it tough when you're doing like group photos and stuff. Like, to your, yeah, my yeah. family's all Apple people, oh, and you then can just air air. I can't airdrop it to yeah, her. I know, right? I know. She, and so now every time I'm like, you're not in some of the text messages that I'm in to, what to do you her. Mean I can't just airdrop my stuff. <laughs> yeah, I know. So it's uh, and she, I will not. Neither of the other will convince the other person. She has a better chance of probably convincing me to go back to Microsoft than I will get her to Apple. Because again, I told you she's competitive and very, there you, go. you know, God love her, but there she's she can be thick headed. So, um, so what is? Well, you kind of said your. I guess well, what is your favorite thing about the work? I think you just you might have answered that when you talked about like seeing all the gadgets and not gadgets, but seeing like all the stuff people do and make up here, but. Well, no, actually, actually, the, my favorite part of this job is that it helps other people have jobs. Is you know, uh, and and that's why I originally went into it. Is um, the situation you know at that time was that people were losing their jobs, and um, if I do my job and uh, the team, uh, the community of people who are involved in workforce development and economic development, if we do our jobs well, then other people have jobs and they can support their families and, uh, and they can be comfortable and do have you, good lives. So what's the, like, what's the focus of company? Because I always look at it, and again, this is, if someone says, hey, we're creating jobs, and then some people say, you, know, you always hear the adage of like, well, yeah, but a lot of them are like entry level or, or whatever job. When you talk about like, you know, whether it be a factory worker or assembly line person. But I mean, I always look at it like, to me, bringing jobs to the community is always a better thing than not bringing jobs because mm-hmm. you need everybody to run a whole system. Because it, it, you got to look at like, there's always going to be people in entry level jobs, whether they're kids out of college or whether they're, you know, students or whatever it might mm-hmm. be. Mm-hmm. And then you have people all the way up to the highest levels that have been doing it for years and years and years that have, you know, risen through or mm-hmm. done whatever they need to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you guys, when you hear like jobs and stuff, is, is you know, obviously the, is the quality of the job, I'm, I'm sure that matters, but like quantity and quality, like how does that spectrum it's fall? It's changed over the years. Um, uh, and, I, and I think um, economic development programs that governments have have not really kept up as well as they could have. Because now when you create uh, new companies, um, some of them are very, um, it, it's a, it's a big project. It has a lot of investment. It will create a lot of, of, of uh, opportunities in the community, but not necessarily with their own company, right? So it may only create five jobs or six jobs or seven jobs, but allows other things to happen that will create more jobs or more entry-level jobs or those kinds of things. So I think we need to, now we need to look at each uh, project um, 
individually and not necessarily try to say, but how many jobs does it create? 80 jobs or to create eight jobs. But if those eight jobs are, are good quality jobs and those eight jobs help us in a way that we need to do other things, mm-hmm. then those eight jobs are just as important. And I think uh, not just our government, but, uh, but governments uh, countrywide and probably worldwide are just not really, um, they've not figured out how to measure that. Do you find, is it easy to do business in New York State and United States? Like in roughly what you're trying to do? Because you hear companies like going overseas for, you know, for whether it be cheaper manufacturing or cheaper. And do you find, or production of something, do you find that, um, like where do you, do you find it's easy doing, I guess, business and economic development as, you know, you know United States citizen and then also New York relative to other states and relative to other countries? Or do you think there's challenges to it? I think there are, are challenges with any um, with any economic development project, um, and and you, you need to figure out what is what is the best thing for the community and what's the best thing for the for the company. Um, and um, and sometimes it's a combination of things. You know, a, a company may make some of the things here in the United States and and some of the things in other countries, uh, and there are a lot of reasons for that. Uh, it could be that it's that it's that it's cheaper to make them. It could be because it's near to something that they need to have uh, in order to, in order to make it. It could be because there's a specialty in that particular thing in that particular company uh, country, and and so it makes sense for them to, to be there. That's the whole concept behind clusters. So we have a transportation mm-hmm. cluster, right? And the transportation cluster is built over time since you know Bombardier first came here in 1995, um, and. And, and grown and grown and grown and grown and, the, and you gain things from that. You ne- then you have people who are familiar with the ways to work in those companies and you have a skilled workforce. So that's important. That's important. That's why there's a lot of pharmaceutical in Philadelphia. That's, a, that's why there's you know a lot of, of, of uh, tech in California. Here we have built this transportation cluster. So the schools teach the, the like the, 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 the Institute for Advanced Manufacturing um, teaches the things. Then these people, if they're there's a downturn in one company and there's an upturn in another company, okay, they, they can move from one to the other. They keep their jobs. So you've gained a stability in the workforce mm-hmm. for the community people who are who are who need a job, who need to be able to have a consistency in in their pay so that they can pay their mortgage and they can do all the things that they need to do. So you you gain and the companies gain as well. They know, okay, there's a workforce here. Now I'm I, I, I have to compete with the others for that workforce, but there is a workforce workforce there that knows how to do these jobs so when you talk about like clustering which is the idea of you have your main like i said transportation manufacturing but then you have all the little companies that that support the big companies right and um and not to mention in different industries of transportation Mm -hmm. so do you find like kind of the you familiar with the 80 20 rule Mm -hmm. do you guys find that you put like your your oh yeah that, that yes, manufacturing it works in anything. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, I I figured as much. Like, do you find that you guys are really, really just put a focus on manufacturing? And just said, hey, we're that's we know that's our our bread and butter, and we're just going to keep hammering that out. Obviously, open to new companies coming in, Absolutely. but do you put most of your focus on what you know you already have built this massive like you know advantage within one sector? Like, if all of a sudden someone. Say, say like a pharmaceutical or tech or like you, a couple of those other companies you mentioned said, hey, we want to open a tech company in Plattsburgh. You're obviously going to welcome them with open Absolutely. arms, but you're, you're, are you guys actively going out and trying to find those people or are you more like, hey, listen, we know we're really good at 
our strategic advantage is the manufacturing sector. Let's keep doubling down on that until we find that we have to pivot. So I think what, when when we look at what business is it that we're in, so we, the, the economic development community and, and the Chamber of Commerce um, economic development effort, uh, the business that we're in is Quebec, right? So uh, it doesn't necessarily matter which sector they're in, um, if they need to be in the United States and we present to them a geographic advantage where they can they can say, okay, well, I will put my, my operation in Plattsburgh and that will be my entry into the, into the U.S. market. So in, to some degree, that's really our concentration. And, and uh, although there are certainly a lot of transportation companies, and we do concentrate on that, mm-hmm. I think overall, if you look at the companies that we have, Although there are, there is this cluster. There's also all these other things, like we were talking about. We're making chandeliers, and 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 and, and you think of uh, of Schoenbeck uh, from uh, Swarovski now. Mm-hmm. Um, now we think of it as being a, a, a U.S. company, but they actually came from Canada. Uh, Wyeth it's, came from Canada, you know, and and a lot of the companies that we think of as even as being U.S. companies like uh, Web Webtech, okay, that's Westinghouse Airbrake, okay, U.S. But it came here from Canada; it didn't come from from the United States. Um, what were they doing with the Wyeth property? Do you know? Well, Wyeth property is now owned by a company called ERS, and they're redeveloping it as a, a you know, multi-tenanted um, uh, complex. Uh, is it? Do you know what the tenants are going to be roughly, or is that still open? Well, you know, they, they I think they're also they, they have they, a lot. They every, every every one of these these has assets that that help them in in certain areas. So one of the things that Rouse's Point has, is just like the city of Plattsburgh, is they have very inexpensive electricity. Electric, yep. Right. So you so anything that is dependent on on uh, electricity or uses a lot of electricity is a is a good uh, prospect for them. But back to the transportation, the reason that we focused on transportation is because it does bring so many other businesses to it. And so really, uh, it, it is manufacturing, but it's an integrator. So mostly those companies like Novabus and Bombardier, they don't, they don't make a whole lot of their own parts. Right? They mm-hmm. buy them from everybody else. And so that's why you end up with... And then somebody asked... But, which Joel asked me, actually, just a couple days ago. We were going for a walk at lunch, and he said, what was your favorite... Um, project, you know, um, at, in your career, and I said no. I'd think about it for a while because there've been a lot of them, you know, and and I really enjoyed a lot of them. But I think that the Novabus project was my favorite because I was involved from beginning to end, for one thing, and because we knew that that project was going to like the Bombardier project. But I wasn't involved in the whole Bombardier project because I wasn't there. You know, um, the, that it was going to create all of these these um, uh, other jobs and other businesses to come. And so after that part was over, then we were down the street talking to the people who make the wiring harnesses, and, and then we're you know we're talking to all these people who make the 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 handles. You don't realize how many things go into. The things that we just, you know, you get on a, on a train or a bus, you don't think about it. You sit down on the seat and that's it. But somebody's making the seat. Somebody's yeah. making the handrail. Somebody's making the, the, the sign that tells you when to get off the train, you know. 
I've thought about that stuff. Like just manufacturing where you just like stare at something. And you're just like, how? That's the most simplistic thing. I'm like, how do they make that? Or how does this work? And it was like, mm-hmm. when I mean, you just sit there and think about any, like this thing, how does this recorder work? And then really start to kind of understand like the idea that you can talk and then it can like somehow, and I know this is like me dumbing it down, but like can hear your voice, re- record your voice, and then you can, I can pull it out and replay it. And I'm like, it's probably simple for the person who understands it, but I'm like, that is such a crazy technology. And then when you strip it back, however long ago, I don't know, 50s, 20s, I don't know when they started coming out with like recording stuff on, mm-hmm. um, like back to like who thought of the idea that you came up with a sis, because it's not, it's not like these parts were made. Mm-hmm. Like it was like you just assembled it and like, oh, this works. It's like someone had to create. Mm-hmm. Whatever came to record, and again, it's a Google search away. I can figure it out, but mm-hmm. I always am fascinated by it, and I have no time to Google all this stuff, but it's just like, so I, sometimes I do do Google this stuff. Usually when I'm watching a movie, mm-hmm. I'll go- Oh, yeah, you say, what about that? Oh, oh I, I go into a very, very dark hole, rabbit hole on Wikipedia mm-hmm. when I'm watching a movie, because I'll look it up, I'll look at the actor, then I'll look at something. Oh, this was shot in this community. I go to there. Oh, he was in that too. <laughs> well, the next thing I know, I'm looking at- how a pen is made because if I go and then I start like clicking, I'm like, how did I get here? And you go back, back, back. I'm like, oh, that's right. You're watching that movie. And I'm like, how did I get that? Like, and uh, I was watching, uh, you watch Ozark? Have you seen? No, do I you don't. Watch, no, no. Um, I'm not a big movie person I, I or series person, but I ended not up watching either. Ozark and great show, great show. But every episode I like was like reading the synopsis of Wikipedia because that's usually I'm like not half paying attention. But I was like going down some roads there. I'm like, how am I? Like, I'm looking up like, like half the half the thing was shot in Georgia, and I'm sitting there researching lakes and water levels in this Georgia thing. And I'm like, how did I get to this? I'm like, I got to get out of this place. Like, I'm learning about like. Has anybody talked to you about your attention span? Oh, it's terrible. So you're talking to me for an hour, over an hour. You know, I'm like I'm all over the place. But um, yeah, so no, I, I just like I like searching and stuff. But that's yeah, yeah. It, we'll, we'll go back to what you're talking about. So the. Uh, um, so, okay. So Nova bus, that was the big process from start to finish. And, and that was, you, and working you, with all, and we still do, right. You I mean, still, we it's still a very active. Yeah. I mean, now you're still, you know, this, this company is going to be, uh, uh, or, or wants to have a contract with, uh, with, the with, um, Nova bus. And, uh, so we talked to them and, you know, how, how, how could we accommodate their needs to be here? And could we get them near, near Nova bus, which is what Nova bus wants. Nova bus would like them right close. So that they could, the time is, is cut down for how long we can get to get the stuff to them. No, Nova bus was built, what, probably 2010? Mm-hmm. Eight, nine, ten. Yeah, I think Cause so. Because I, t- I toured it right around that time, and I think it was fairly new at at the time. Yeah, I think so. I, I don't remember it's a exactly. Massive facility. It is. Well, it's bigger than it was because uh, it, uh, it goes farther back now. They they built the the Prevo end on the other uh, on the end of the building. And yeah, then right. They, and I, then they built the the customer service center where where so that little showroom. Yeah, it's a showroom. The cube so the, or whatever. Yeah. So when the when the when the customer who's bought the the and uh, Bombardier does the same kind of thing, although they don't have a like separate building, but but the they the customer comes in and looks at it and says, you know, well, I, I like that, but mm, there's a little area over here where you need to get that. Paint so that's like up. that's like the Macy window, right? Yeah. They just like throw up their products out there. Yeah. It's kind of cool. You drive by and you see like a now do most of the buses. That they make, do they change at all? 
Like, uh, I should say design-wise. I mean, do they make like a one-size-fits-all boss? Oh, or no. you said like, hey, we want to have some specs. Maybe it's more yeah. narrow or longer or oh, yeah. seats no. are a little bit different. I think there are, you start out with all of these things. You start out with kind of a standard thing. But then the customer says, well, I'd like a 36-seat uh, configuration mm-hmm. and uh, I want two handicaps. And uh, uh, then I'd like for it to be uh, so that you could put bikes on it because we're in a tourism area or whatever. Yeah. And so you end up with with that and then now there's the new uh, electric buses and the, the hybrid buses and all of that so i think that's like that's a that's fairly new though right the, yeah yeah so uh, there were and and that's is another example so there are co- companies now that are in new york but not necessarily in plattsburgh that are that they're working with and that now you have people coming in and out. So even if they're not not physically located here, so BAE is making the the batteries for the buses. Right? So the the those those batteries and they have the things that they need to do or design changes that they need to make. So here's some BAE people coming in, or you have people flying in from someplace. You know the engineers to look at things and there was a crew from uh, Bombardier. The, the one of the, the they were going in and out to do things, uh, uh, design things. And when I was flying out of Plattsburgh one time. How's the flight out of Plattsburgh? I mean, do you like flying out of Plattsburgh? It's good. So, I mean, I love it. So I it's just, so easy, right? You know, like, do you, you do just, a lot with DC, or is it just because that's a good hub well, for you D- to DC, redirect? Well, DC, a lot of the government things are in DC. So whenever I need to do things that are, you know, government related, I like the easiest in, flight in the world. Oh uh, yeah, right. That was an hour and like twenty minutes, maybe hour and a half. Mm, that's something like that. It's yeah. not. It's not that. It was. It was less than what I thought it was. I thought it was going to be about two hours to get there, and I think they're like, oh no, you're like up and down like an hour and fifteen minutes. It's like, oh okay. Then you don't have to make changes, and and it's small enough that, and we have a because it's such a new airport. We have technology in that airport that I was telling the we were we were talking to this the, is Plattsburgh. Yeah, we okay. were. T- I was talking to the the. The people from uh, Smart Chiller, the for the from the blue uh, the, the ribbon cutting, you know, they were talking about flying into Plattsburgh. So you know, and they they were talking about it too. They said, you know, there are things that we have in that airport that airports that are twice our size don't have. Like you know the the exit when you come through and it's the glass doors and they close behind you and you um, and you uh, just walk through. Oh yeah yeah yeah. You know, uh, yes, you go to the right of the, the check-in line. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, they have those in Paris, but they're not as good because they're not really? as new. <laughs> uh, well, they have those in Vancouver, but they're not as new. Aren't they're they? Not as good. They're shutting down uh, kind of early in April, right? To, to repave, this? yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. it's repaving. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So the middle of the uh, runway needs to be repaved now. They've they've paved the they repaved one end a few years ago, and they didn't need to shut down for that. But when you're repaving the middle, yeah, the main. You, you can't. You kind of. You know. You don't have enough room on either end to, to um, land and take off and stuff. So yeah. So I'm. I'm just because we have to go to. Uh, we're going to Florida in April, and then we're coming back. We have to fly into Albany. So it's like this whole logistics, whole logistical thing to get back because we can't fly right now. You can't fly right, yeah. To, but yeah. this is a good time to do it because right now with the pandemic, there's not as much traffic. Oh, for so sure. let's do it now. Yeah. And then once the pandemic is over and traffic increases, they'll be done. And this should last, I forget what they told me, something like 15, 20 years, I don't know, something like that. It's, uh, well, I mean, I'm, I'm excited. I mean, what, when did the current, um, air, or the current airport, when was that built? 
So it opened in 2007. The first flight was in November. It was a Legion flight in, two, in 2007. Where did it go? Was it Florida? It went to Florida, yeah. Um, God, it does. It seems... Well, Gary and I went out to Bellingham, Washington in 2004, I think, or 2005, to, to talk to the people in um, Bellingham about how they were, um, they were operating their airport because they're close to Vancouver mm-hmm. and Seattle and Victoria. And so they had a lot of cross-border traffic, and they had Allegiant. And so we knew that Allegiant understood how that worked, that, that even though we were a small market, we'd be drawing from a big market. Mm-hmm. And so now we here in Plattsburgh all have the benefit of being fly, being able to fly directly to, to Washington, D.C. because there well, is this bigger market. It was like 70% of the fl- people are from Canada that fly? Well, I, think more, it's, I think it's more than that. More than yeah. that, yeah. yeah. I mean, it is uh, it is crazy because it's really international when you go, and especially when you like. I've only done it a couple times. You take like that red eye flight to Florida, which is terrible. And at two in the morning, you just hear like, a, like you're like half, you're like eyes are glazed over and you're like, I don't know where I am right now. And then you just, all you hear is just like French and it's, but it's yeah. cool because it's like, <laughs> yeah, you know, like you kind of get like, get lucky and you show up and you like, don't know somebody on the plane. And usually, you know, one or two people, but it's still the idea when you go to, out of Plattsburgh, it's not like you're just flying next to your neighbors. It's, it's truly you know, people all over the country. And, and it's funny. I've been sat, sat next to people that are from New Hampshire. Remember ah. a guy I sat down? He's like, yeah, we flew out of here. It was better than going to Boston or going to wherever, um, which is pretty cool, you know? And I yeah. think um, yeah. I'm excited because I, I say 2007. I didn't even know it was that old, but it, it's grown so much in yeah. what, 13, 14 years. And yeah. I always look at, okay, so take 13, 14 years from now, same airport. Like mm-hmm. I'm sure this, this thing is going to be, because there's space to expand for sure, right? Going mm-hmm. like kind of back inside. But, but when this latest expansion was done, it was done to accommodate a, 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 a growth. So yeah. without increasing the footprint now, um, a, a pretty significant amount of growth can happen in the number of people who fly in and out of there every year. Because well, then they start talking about like international travel. Like I've heard, right. I've heard Europe and and Gary. We'll say teased it a little bit when he was on that potentially that 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 is something that. Um, I don't know if you can speak more to it, but like going to, I think London was the potential. I don't know if that's, it's, it, you know, there, there's so many things going on now and the pandemic has just really changed so many things, but, but, you know, I'm certain we, we have the infrastructure now to be able to do in, um, international flight. And even though there's not commercial international flights, you don't see it, but there's all this business travel going on. Um, through through Plattsburgh International Airport, and they're being cleared here um, in in Plattsburgh. Um, this is commercial flights. This is this is private flights. Oh, private, is bus- okay. business business flights. Or, you know, uh, uh, charter flights. Those kinds of things. They're, was, they're coming in and out. It was uh, like well, well Norsk wasn't that a big thing. A lot of the people from um, Norway could fly and connect into Plattsburgh. They can, or they, the, the other thing that... Well, that, I mean, not directly, but I'm saying they can do like a Dulles into Plattsburgh kind of flight. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, and the other thing is that uh, for the things that you, the flights that you can't get right out of Plattsburgh, we're only an hour from Burlington. We're only, you know, yeah. 60 miles from, uh, maybe 70 miles from, from, uh, from... Uh, is it Trudeau? Uh, Trudeau, it? yeah. Airports de, Airport de Montreal. Wasn't there two of them up there? There was, yeah. And then they just closed and then they moved... That one is used now. Laval, as a, was it Laval? Or? It was no. That one was uh, Mirabel. 
Mirabelle, that's Mirabelle, it. and that is used now for um, uh, it's, there's manufacturing out there and uh, that kind of thing. So it just merged. It was, was that recently or no? That's quite a while ago, ten years ago maybe. Okay, because I remember it never kind of worked out for them. Okay, because maybe when I was a kid, I remember the two, and I always went out oh, of yeah. the the pier. Interna- international flights used to go out of uh, out of Mirabelle, and so I went out, flew out of there a couple of times for that. But yeah. it just never. It, it's it's kind of like the. Well, you know, in-city and out-of-city. Uh, well, I remember um, I had to go to California a couple times, and we took a direct flight from... We could take we could take a flight out of Burlington and go to, like, Chicago or go to, like, wherever the connecting hub was and fly down um, to, like, a regional airport in Southern California to go to Anaheim. Or you can go to Montreal and take a direct flight rate to LAX and mm-hmm. then half-hour, 40-minute, you know taxi uber ride and you were where you had to be mm-hmm. so it was always like we usually just went up to montreal and just flew the direct flight because mm-hmm. four hours five hours you're i mean usually longer going there quicker coming home with the tailwind but it was uh you know a pretty fast flight and again you don't have to have the layovers and stuff mm-hmm. do you like layovers no no as i've gotten older or i guess people that travel a lot don't like them when i was a kid i used to love layovers because you just people watch and get to like just check it all out but then as you get older you're kind of like Dude, I just to me layovers are, are an opportunity for delay it, that, that <laughs> yes i mean if, even if everything goes on track i always like the people aspect the people watching but now as i've gotten older i'm like less than due time like i just want to yeah. get there yeah. let me just get to my thing <laughs> um now are you are you a phone person when i say phone person do you text people mm-hmm. okay that was my question. I had to throw it out there because Gary you, told me he doesn't text. If you want to talk to your grandchildren, you can only do that by text because <laughs> they don't talk Fair on enough. the phone. <laughs> I actually had on this. Do you also, do you phone or do you just email like Gary? Because Gary says he emails and then he emailed when we got back to his office and he said, see, by email. And I said, that's perfect. He does. He emails. He said, no, that's, that's, he said he really only emails or calls. Yeah, okay, phone. he'll talk on the phone, but yeah, actually, but said, most of his communication is by, is by email. Yeah, and he said he doesn't text. I said that's no, he that's, doesn't text at all. Totally fine. Um, <laughs> the uh, now, I, a question I've, I'm kind of curious for you because how has being, especially back in the '90s, and I don't know the, the you know I don't know how things were back in the '90s. That's but, ancient history. Well, you know, I, I listen to music still from the 90s, so I think, I, like, now I know why my parents listen to, like, the 60s and 70s music, yeah. so I'm like, okay, like, I get it. I, I, I'll concede to that. Um, how has being a woman in business changed from then to now? Do you find that that had any issue, or do you find when you came in, in the 90s, was that, like, something you had to, you know, compete with, or did you find it was very, not as... No, uh, uh, so... The when when I started doing things with the Chamber of Commerce, now, you know, I mean, I I owned I owned a business. I, uh, I did a lot of things that uh, that were maybe not traditional for for women, uh, even in the eighties. Um, but when I started working at uh, with the Chamber, uh, even as a volunteer, you know, um, I was always the youngest person in the war, in the room. Well, that's my other question. That's where I was going to go next, but keep going. Yeah, as the youngest person, the woman in the room, and, and usually there was me, uh, or maybe me and one other woman. Uh, um, Carolyn Harding was was involved in the chamber at the time. She was uh, the the in tourism, um, and at, over time now, when you go to meetings, maybe more than half of the people in yeah. the room are women, and I am no longer the youngest. It, 
the room. No, no usually like, the oldest. Usually the oldest. I'm like, there's nothing. <laughs> no, but I'm, I'm I'm definitely not the youngest. Anymore. You're you're part of the, the season. The, the, yeah, the, the, yeah, the yeah. veterans. I'm a baby group. boomer. Yeah, yeah, yeah there yeah, you yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I was just curious because, like, I I know, you know, kind of just talking about when you talk about the background of like you know going to you know getting married and going to school and kind of being in the military and then kind of jumping into a different career and then and I was like how like because you were how old were you when you got the current position you're in. Oh, well, okay, let's see. Uh, was, about 30? Uh, yeah, about that, yeah. Well, no, wait a minute, okay. Uh, no, I must We're not going to give your age away, but we'll let people do the math if they had to. Well, I, wait, we, we've just de- determined I, I maybe just late. turned 65, so I was I was born in 56, so that so I was, uh, what? Uh, 40? 30, I was almost 40, yeah. yeah. The thing I think that, that for me was I never thought, wow. I'm the only woman in the room. It just never occurred to me. It, now I look back on it and I see it. But I always just assume that if I did good work, that then I could be there well, and that I was entitled to be there. The, the only reason I ask is because you hear a lot, and, and again, rightly so, but you hear a lot now of like, you know, women when they get into positions, it, it's still, um, you know, almost like a, like, it's almost like, a point to say we have like a woman's in this position or you know the board has this many people mm-hmm. and i've always I, I just grew up i had sisters i grew up like i had a lot of girl like i said like friends that were, were female in my life that i just always worked with girls and like here i have a lot of women that mm-hmm. work that i just never think twice of it so like i always find like you in a i would say a pretty prominent position that not necessarily now but when you started was probably more male dominant and i didn't oh, know well, if there was completely was... male dominated there, there was there was no i mean i would go to the I, so i owned i owned a restaurant i, I was the female franchisee right mm-hmm. there were very few free free and, and people <laughs> sometimes that i would i check in and they'd say so um do you want to sign up for these spousal um activities so no, my husband will be signing up for the spousal activities. Yeah, <laughs> you know, well, but uh, but it it it, it was just uh, I don't know. Maybe I wasn't smart enough to realize that that uh, you know I was that the people were were not thinking that it, that that was okay. I, but I just never really bothered bother me. Yeah, I, I just asked because I know like the time period, and again I, the time period is different, but still like. I just always look at, like you said, like if they're the best for the position, they should be the one. It's like, and that's, it's just like a weird, it's a weird concept that somebody, you know, especially back then, like into now, I'm sure it's, like you said, completely different. You walk in and you're one of the the seasoned women in the group and there's plenty of, and there's plenty of them, right? Yeah, there's plenty of them. So, um, yeah, I just didn't know if that was, and I think think that it's also, it's, it's, it's some, some career paths are easier than others for women even now. Right, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, um, although I so we were at the, at the, uh, at the smart chiller place the other day for the ribbon cutting, and uh, the welder was a woman. Yeah, you know, and it, it that is a, a, a profession that you do still kind of think of well, you as think being be a man, be, yeah. be a man. But I think more and more women are starting to enter. You know, yay, being a ref at the in the F- NFL, you betcha. Yeah, the grown right? you know, yeah. yeah, you know, or the, or a kicker or whatever. It's there. These barriers are coming down. I think there are still barriers for women, and we don't want to overlook that 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 there are those. But um, but I think there that certainly in some professions you now see a majority being women. I, I think it's to- I think it's a generational thing too. Like if like the generation that's going into the workforce now is used to more you know 
more equality that I think mm-hmm. that a lot of the social norms start to change over time. Mm-hmm. And it's always happened. I think, you know, you go back to like the 1800s, to the early 1900s to the sixties. to now it's like things just transition, which I just have, I always joke. Cause I like, there's a few girls I know that are just very, um, bold, I'll call bold personalities in a good way. But I'm mm-hmm. like, you're never going to get pushed around. Like you're going to like, you push me around. I'm like, you know, scared of you. So it's like, but I find that there's a, it's that in the fact that you had mentioned, being young in a profession that was probably, um, I had that when I got into real estate. Like I was 20 years old and I always tell people oh, I look yeah. like I was 15 and right. you're like, yeah, kid, you can come sell my house yeah, for me. Yeah. And, and uh, that's <laughs> yeah. why I got to keep my beard right. a little bit because I got a baby right. face. But right. but it, it's my wife's like, you do not shave. Like it's about as low as the beard gets just to keep my marriage intact because otherwise she'll, yeah, it's not good. She's older than me, which is great. But she, I look, yeah, we, we just don't shave. So, um what was the idea like going in? That was something I had to get over the first few years. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, and a lot of it, I think, was self-inflicted on myself because it was my thought that I was young. Mm-hmm. But it, I don't think I had to really necessarily be young. I think it was lack of confidence in knowing what I was talking about mm-hmm. because I had to learn it. You know, mm-hmm. I was like, okay, like I, I'm picking up on stuff, but I really need, give me about five years to really kind of understand the industry, which I, you know, I, luckily I did. But it was that first few years, it's like you had to, you know, I dressed I say dress different. I dress nicer because I was like, okay, if I don't look good, I have I gotta, to look. I have to look older. I have to look yes. more professional. And, and right now, people are like it's funny. Nicole here, there's a someone kind of coming like interview tomorrow for a job, and she's like, Chuck, I'll dress up." I'm like, "Listen, I'm I'm wearing this. Like, they can take me as a like I'm gonna I'm pretty low key basic <laughs> when I dress." So um, I said, "I want to. This is how you're gonna get me. You're gonna get me my my true um, Galen look." Um, what is? I guess the other thing tagging off to. You starting a new career at 40, like what advice would you give someone that's maybe in their 20s or 30s? Because 20s is a very up and down time in people's lives, especially Mm -hmm. when you're a young professional because you have no clue what you want to do and you're really not established and you're kind of just trying to find your footing. Um, Do you have any advice to that or in regards to, you know, different career paths over or starting a brand new career path? Like I said, at 40 and then Mm -hmm. having you know, success and longevity in the current position. And, and are you one that's like, you're just going to keep doing this until it's not fun anymore kind of person? Oh, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Gary gave me the same answer. I said, Gary, you're not retiring, right? Like, no, he's like, he goes, and people ask me that, you know, so when are you going to retire? You know, and I was, well, when it's not fun anymore, when it's, exactly. you know, yeah. I really just love my job and, and there are the days when I'm tired and I go, Oh my goodness gracious. But yeah, yeah sure. But, um, but then it, I just, there's too many good things about it, you know. But I think for advice for young people is to be open to opportunities when they arise, right? Did I think I was going to be an economic developer when I grew up? Uh, Most people don't even know what an economic developer is. (laughs) And I think you could talk to just about any economic developer and they would not have said as a child that that's what they wanted to be. Um, but to be open to an opportunity, see if that opportunity is something that you're interested in, see if that's an opportunity that fits where you want to be. Is it something you think you would enjoy? Is it something that can be a career for you, at least for some time? And then as far as changing when you're in, in your, in your forties, um, that is, I think, um, looking at what you have, what is it? What is the value that you can give to a, 
a company or a, or a career or, a, or a, an opportunity. Do you think that it makes a difference in what you're doing also? Like you said, like what you can give back, but you, like you could see the purpose of it or you could see like how this makes a difference. I, well, the, for me, that was important. And I think for a lot of people, it's important. Mm-hmm. And especially today, I think a lot of young people really want to, they want to be able to make a difference in the world, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so they like to work in places where they can make a difference, where they will be hurt, where... Um, uh, the other thing that I would recommend, though, is um, is that as a young person, you don't get to start at the top. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, so you, you you know you you uh, you can work there, but um, at first you may not be. Oh dear, I just no, you're, you're terrible fine. noises. You're, you're fine. Um, yeah, it's because I talk. That's why I think I'm even. hoping that this maybe doesn't. But I'm just I don't want to touch it because I'm scared it's going to not fall off. Yeah, right. you're fine. You got it's, Italian in you or no? No. Okay. I'm Irish, almost, but I almost, talk my hand I'm all the time. Almost English, almost all English, Irish, and you know, uh, Scottish and Welsh and all those. Kind I of talk with my hands too, so I, I'm Irish. But that's there's a there's a few of us out there. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, so I, I think that uh, being willing to to learn, being willing to get to where you are later on, you've you've learned now the industry, right? And you mm-hmm. you 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 now have have something to, to contribute. You now have the ability to, to have your own business, to do those kinds of things. But you don't start out there. You don't start out with the with the with the with the high salary and the big uh, big house and the So do you find um, one putting in the work and like the time? Because I, I, I like I've been doing this for eleven years. This is my eleventh year in real estate, which Again, I started when I was 20. I mean, it took probably till I was 25 before I really started to grasp the industry. And then I've gotten to the point now where I'm like you, like, what's my next challenge? So my challenge is like, okay, like real estate, just selling real estate to me got can get boring because to mm-hmm. me it's like, I'm just like, I, I got good at it. It's just repeating the motions over and over again. So now I'm like, how can I challenge myself? So now it's like, okay, like, and there's levels that I've already, I'm trying to work on that is like the next level for me but it's because i can't sit still so it's like mm-hmm. oh, i gotta i gotta like do the next thing and i gotta you know constantly challenge myself but do you find that i say committing some or real taking, estate people go into economic development maybe like and this is, well this is the thing we talk about like giving back like i'm not i just signed up for my first board in years because i just i got out of it and i i don't want to be like again this is not like don't Asked me to be on all these boards. I would love to. I, I plan on giving back. I got three kids under. But you have time. You have to have time. Well, yeah, I got three kids that are three and younger. So this is the only one because it's like there's a bunch of other parents and it fits like perfect. Mm-hmm. So I was like, it, it works. But one of my goals when I get older is to transition more into stuff that's going to better the area. Like mm-hmm. it's kind of like, okay, get my knowledge now, kind of get established, meet people, like I said, relationships, and like understand. And pick people's brains that are doing it now so we can kind of build off of it in the future. And I like that stuff. Like I like I, – that's why I think I'm fascinated by stuff you do, stuff that Gary does, stuff that Chamber and stuff that like the – I guess there's a few people I want to dive into um, at like a TDC and all those companies that mm-hmm. you know are doing this. But it's like understanding you know, how to build up the area, not just like one person, but how do you affect more people. And mm-hmm. that's the one thing that I've always looked at. As I've gotten older, again, this wasn't 10 years ago. I was not thinking this way. I was thinking like, what's the easiest way not to, you know, have to work this job or whatever. But um, 
I think when you talk about like committing at like, do you think commitment is tough? Like, did you have a hard time committing to a new job at 40? And the reason I say that is because like some kids I know, this is more, because I know some people that listen to this are like in their 20s and in their 30s and sometimes are nervous about committing into a job because like, well, I'm comfortable, like eh, it's, it's a little bit of a risk. And this is, I mean, I'd have the same reservations if I was jumping into a new career. Um, did you have that or do you find that there, yes, I did have it, but I just like trust my gut and made the plunge and tried to figure it out. So... I think that the that um, I only do things all in. So <laughs> I love it. See, that's the best answer you've given all. I mean, your answers are great, but that was my most. I enjoyed that. So, <laughs> so I guess I didn't have any problem with the. I, I'm trying to figure out what else would I was. You know, I don't. I. I. That just wasn't something that I would. I consider. So it was like good idea. Let's just go for it. Go for it. Yeah. I love that. No, that's that's great. I think. I just, I just know there's a lot of people that I've, I've had conversations with friends. They're like, oh, I'm maybe looking at a new job. I'm kind of, you know, nervous. Like, it's not really, you can tell they're nervous. They won't maybe not say it, but like you can get to the, the general gist of like they're un- nervous to make the plunge to a new career. So I think one of the things that, you know, kind of to that is, is when you were saying, you know, for the advice, don't be afraid to make a mistake once in a while, you know, it, that thing that you're doing this, if it turns out that that doesn't work out, um, what else could you do with that? If you know, or what else could you do that's related to that? Or because uh, I think people, when they look at at um, say like manufacturing, well, okay, I'm gonna work on the floor, but there's so many things that I've never worked in manufacturing, but but there's so many jobs that that you can have in manufacturing that have nothing to do with working on the assembly line. Mm-hmm. Right? There's 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 people in human resources, there's people in engineering, there's accounting, people in accounting, there's yeah. people all of these professional careers that that um, are associated with that, but that are not what you normally think. And I think almost all careers, when you look at economic development, so I'm a generalist, right? Mm-hmm. I did I do everything. But there are people who focus only on on finance, or they probably, or they or they focus only on uh, development of downtowns, or they. So there are a lot of different areas within most careers that you can that you can be in. So, so in a normal day today, how do you like? How do you roll into a meeting? And I think the reason I'm saying that is, I know when I, we talked about like being nervous when you started out, when I first got into real estate, like I was nervous going into appointments because I was like, I, 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 I wasn't confident in myself, you sure. know, and I had that, you know, reservation of like, maybe they're going to ask a question I can't answer or like, maybe I'll see, I don't know what I'm talking about. That makes me nervous if I don't know my subject. So, so one, you, you prep and prepare and a lot of this is through experience, but also sure. through just like, you might have to just like dive into a certain specific topic mm-hmm. the week of or something or mm-hmm. two weeks of or whatever month before. Um, are you pretty... Are you pretty easygoing when you go to meetings? Are you like to have fun in meetings? Do you are you like a very like down to business person? Like which I would again give you an example. I go into meetings. I try to have fun. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty much. I sometimes have a tendency to get quick to the point, but sometimes I gotta like depending on the person. Sometimes tone it back a little bit. Um, I usually get excited. I try to have a little more like I try to have fun with it. I don't like going in and being like stiff. Mm. But. I also am not afraid to joke around. I'm not afraid to make a mistake. I'm not afraid to stumble mm-hmm. on something. I, I, I know what I'm talking about, and I'm pretty confident that 
any problem that comes up, I can probably figure out a solution or get us into the, the path for a solution. Like what's your demeanor in like meetings and like projects or pitches or anything like that? Well, I think it depends on the situation and, and, and what you're doing. I mean, it's a lot different being in a meeting with, you know, uh, 15 people and we're going to, we're going to write a strategic plan and for the organization, okay, then you can be more informal. Um, and, and I think you need to know who you're talking to, mm-hmm. right? You know, um, if, if I'm meeting with a, a, a set of, of business people who are considering um, our area, what is it? What is their demeanor, right? You know, uh, so uh, if they're very formal, if they're very, what's the numbers? What's this? What's mm-hmm. that? I want the answer. I want to be done. I want to get to the next thing. Well, then that's the, that's the, the way that, I need to conduct because they, that's what they're open to, right? If they're, uh, you know, a tech company that's, you know, got you know a whole bunch of people that play ping pong in the in the uh, uh, in, the, in the lounge, in lounge, the break room. you know, okay, well, you know, now then you're 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 a little more informal about it because they don't want to be, uh, yeah. you know, just it's not it may not be about the numbers for them. It may be about do you have places where you can hike? You know, when 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 Norse came, when the, the he's not the with the organization, but the president at the time came to look at the sites. Um, we took him to all of these sites, and there's like, oh, there's water, and there's a sewer, and there's electricity, and he's like, I like that one. It has a really good view of the mountains. That's where they are. Yeah, they're where the really good view of the mountains in Norway. Is. No, right. in Plattsburgh. Yeah, but is uh, Norway? Norway have mountains? Oh, yeah, sure. Oh, okay. I, th- I oh, thought he was meaning like Scandinavia. I was say skiing and stuff. I, th- I thought right. they like yeah, that memorandum no. of home maybe. Oh. I, I, whatever it worked it, it worked yeah, right let's capitalize. Like, that's let's the one i want you know and he and, and he really wanted to be way out on the end where it would have cost a bazillion dollars to get the water and the sewer down there and the electricity so he finally did say well okay we can get a little closer to the road so he's like a normal real estate guy i want that that, that. i was like well, let's bring it back down let's yeah let's bring it back down a little bit maybe you can't afford that but um but you know for different people Different things are important. Not that you don't, like, when I conduct a meeting and I'm in charge of a meeting and I'm running the meeting, mm-hmm. I tend to be pretty businesslike. We, we uh, I want to run the meeting, I want to be efficient, I want to get the meeting over and move to my next meeting. Well, the, the, the first time I ever heard you speak and Gary speak, I was doing the North Country Connections, it was probably a couple of years ago now, and you guys were sitting up and you're talking about the economic part. And you guys both sat at the table and I remember I was like pumped because it was like economic stuff. Like I kind of liked it. So I like, I sat like in the center and, uh, I think I asked Gary a question. He answered, and Gary didn't know who the heck I was at the time. And uh, but it was it was one where like you guys were pretty. I would say pretty business. I mean, it was kind of like you guys were putting on the event, so it was a little more chill than it would be. You know, mm-hmm. you, have, you know, young professionals that are kind of just like, oh, I'm so like. Oh, it was the AD. It was the it was the ADKYP or what? No, no, it was just North Country Connections, a thing that oh yeah 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 the staff does, and you do like the networking and yeah yeah so. It was like an hour presentation. The two of you sat up there and you'd, you'd ran through some topics and we had questions. And I think I asked some real estate questions to you guys. And um, that was the first time I heard either of you talk in, in person. Like, I've, you know, I've heard stuff. But um, so it was just, but you guys, I, was, I would say we're more towards the business and the casual side. But it was probably not as businessy as maybe if like you were with a bunch of execs that were like deciding on a property. It was like, you're in our house kind of thing. And we're just kind of chit-chatting with you. But mm-hmm. um, so two more questions for you. One is obviously you have to stay up to t- to task on a bunch of stuff. Like how how do you consume your information? 
Like, are you a big reader? Are you big? Like we've mentioned podcasts before. I am a big reader. Um, uh, and I, uh, it's, if I, if I'm going to, I'm going to get my news, let's say, I want to mm-hmm. be up to date on what things, what things are happening. I would actually prefer to read it than to, to, uh, than to watch it on video because I control what I am going to look at. Right? If you do have a video, well, I can, I can glance through it, and I guess this is because I'm old fashioned and that's the way I uh, you know learn. But I, okay, well, that's interesting. Okay, good. I don't need that part. Okay, that's interesting. I'll read that. But on a video, that's controlled by someone else. It's here, it's flowing through, and I've got to listen to the whole thing because there might be a part that's interesting, mm-hmm. but I'm not in control, right? If I fast forward, I might miss something, you know? So I really prefer to read it. And, and what, what sources do you normally, day to day, do you check? Well, I, I read the Press Republican. That's my local news, and you know I need to know what's going on into in in my community. Um, and I usually watch the the news. Now that just negated my whole I don't like video, but but I do like to watch the local news and, yeah. and local let's see what's going on. Um, and then I, uh, um, I I have a bunch of different newsletters and things that I read um, from the industries um, that that I read. Um, and then um, I usually uh, have news feed on my on my phone. You know, there's a there's a news feed that is uh, jumps out at you. Jumps headlines. Out, yeah, right. You know, and and that's again okay. So I can pick, right? You know, oh that one sounds kind of interesting. I they might want to know about that. I'm definitely a local news person too. I, like I'm I'm one where like the national news comes on at night, and that's when we like switch it to something else. But I always like watching through the six o'clock news, which again as a kid wasn't whatever i didn't want it and now i'm like sitting i'm like no i want to get through the I whole thing like, i don't I want to know, know, know the sports on. anymore i want to know what's going on because yeah. yeah. now it's kind of cool because i can look up and like oh it's there's so-and-so on the tv because exactly because like, now people. you know them right yeah, like yeah, someone came yeah, on yesterday i'm like oh yeah. hey that's awesome they're on that like that was a great interview so um and last question for you what is your and again, this is by no means pushing you to retire. I don't want you or Gary ever to retire. But like, what what's, what what do you hope to accomplish in the future going forward? Like, I, you guys are you guys are goal setters. I know you guys aren't just going to punch the clock and, and go home. You want to make a difference. So, what's your hope for the future of Plattsburgh? What's your hope for the rest of your career? Or what do you want to accomplish? So, I think for for me, um, having this economy being even more diverse than it is there there um you know for for many years we were awfully dependent on just a few really big things and that turned out not to work out quite so well (laughs) and so industry is changing all the time and i think we need to be prepared to change with that we need to be in a position for whatever the next big thing is is coming down and it's just like an education where you can't say i'm going to teach people exactly for this because that is the thing because you don't know that that's the thing that's actually going to happen but to have things in place so that we can take a take advantage of opportunities for whatever it is that this community can can be as we need to change if we're not changing we're going to fall behind and so I want to be able to make sure that we as a community are able to change and able to grow. I'd also like to see us 
one of the projects we were working on, we did that New York Montreal website, mm-hmm. you know, for for FDI, and we're really really excited about that coming out. Um, but that's a, only a part of of an overall project that we're doing. That um, we want to be able to help. We need people to to come here. We need people to come here to live. Right. It's all of this is so many pieces. We need housing for them to come, live mm-hmm. in if they come here, right? So you, we need we need workforce development to 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 make sure that the people have the skills for those next jobs that we don't even know what they are yet. But how do we have the, the infrastructure in place so that when that time comes, we can help the people learn whatever it is that new skill is that that they need to know in order to in order to be successful um being being more diverse in so many more ways and and helping people who who are here um feel comfortable who maybe are not uh the the way that we all look right you know right now and and actually so i lied so one more question off of what you just said the do you does lack of homes in the area does has that ever hurt you guys, or have you not run into that problem yet? It, it it's it is something that uh, that is uh, sometimes a, a, an issue for us when a, a person comes into town and and they are expecting a certain kind of of. Uh, housing uh is this for individual people or is this for like a, a good amount of people that be moving in or the type of workers that or or employees they would attract you need you need a variety of 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 uh types of housing mm-hmm. right you need you need you need apartments you need one one thing that we do not have here um is um is a housing that is furnished mm-hmm so a, a, a person comes into town and they they need a little time to decide where they want to be. Do I want to be in the, you know the city? Do I want to be in Beekman Town? Do I want to be in Peru? Do I want I don't know Saranac? Where are you know? Um, and and so they'd like to rent for a time, mm-hmm. yeah. and they'd like not to move everything in and then just move everything back out. So that yeah. is that is the number one thing I get when people come in that are relocating because they're used to bigger cities and they're used to like, Hey, coming in like you, you guys must have furnished places. I can just drop my stuff for six months to a year. Um, the reason I ask that is because we're in a severe housing shortage, which, um, and so is the rest of the nation, but yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's not, we're not, we're not, (laughs) we're not unique in that one. No, no, not by any means. But I look at, you know, that I, I, that's one of my concerns going forward with like development and stuff. And I was just curious if you guys have seen that pop up yet, because again, the rentals, and I know there's a few things in it. And the good thing is people are aware of it. I mean, it's not like you guys are oblivious to this in the town and the city and people know that housing, the lack of housing is a problem, but it's like, you know, we don't have a big rental market. We don't have a lot of the entry level homes that we, you know, you know, I take like Champlain park, Champlain park came out in the fifties and sixties from the air force base. And like mm-hmm. a lot of these, um, place in those are, are very high turnover every year. I mean, there's a lot of homes there, but like every year there's probably a couple dozen homes that sell mm-hmm. uh, um, and they're bought up pretty fast because sure. they're affordable. They're out of the city, you entry, know, level. Yeah. entry level, entry level. And, ha- and the taxes are just, lower and just you know, going to get, get married and have, you have, have one child and yeah. And, and, and we don't have those, but then we have the middle level. We don't have those. And it's like, and you kind of look at the ones that are going off. Like I was looking at some numbers, um, you know, year to date from a year ago, which again was a, a really like humming market 
we had a couple months from uh, with the quarantine and the COVID stuff that was like limited. And then June 1st, it just opened back up. And it was like, we never really were affected by it. Mm -hmm. And looking at the numbers, like the amount of sales that are, the sales are up, the pendings are up, the listings are down. Like that doesn't bode well mm -hmm. for, well, kind of this uh, way. Yeah. So we're, I guess whatever way we're, we're hand gestures here. Again, you guys can't see this. Sorry. You haven't seen the mic. You haven't yeah, seen I know. anything. And, and, and here's, here's Two Gail people that talk and, with their hands. Here's Gail and I waving our hands around. Swatting flies. But um, yeah, so that's just, that was always one, I guess, I'm glad it's not been a huge hop, like a or a negative. But I th that's always something I'm concerned about going forward. Is that people may come here, but it's like, well, you don't have, you know, the infrastructure, or you know, you don't have the housing, or you don't have the amenities, or whatever. And I know again, our leaders are working on it, and they're not yeah. oblivious to it, which well, is good. The the thing that when I talked about, you know, an economic development. Your work is never done because it's mm -hmm. never going to be perfect. It's always be, oh yeah, okay, wait, wait. Well, it's better now with the with the with the mid level housing. However, now we we really need to work on this other thing because we just don't have enough people working in such. You know, so it's never going to be perfect. We're always going to be working to improve, and we should be working to improve, right? And we have to mm -hmm. be we have to be thinking what is the next thing? What is the what is it going to be in in five years or ten years? And even if you don't know exactly what it's going to be, um, how can we be prepared? Yeah, it's no, that's great. Um, well, Sue, thank you for coming on. This was great. It was fun. Yeah, that wasn't too bad. It right? was fun. You were okay. Yeah, like, you, you were like you, a lot of people come on and they ask me questions like, well, "How's it go? What am I supposed to say?" You didn't ask me anything. I don't think yeah. you gave me a topic. You're like, "Listen, can you give me some talking points?" I'm like, no, no, no. Like I usually I don't give to anybody talking points. One, I don't even really know. I kind of have like an idea, but we just flow. <laughs> I actually sketched all these down earlier today because I'm like, "Listen, I just there's questions I want to make sure I don't forget." It's usually mm -hmm. not like stuff I want to ask. It's more of like, "Don't forget." don't forget to ask this question. You just mm -hmm. rolled in. You're just, that's why I asked you. Like, how are you in meetings? You just kind of like, let's just go. Let's just yeah. roll the tape. Let's do this. So, <laughs> um, but Sue, I, I appreciate you coming on. Um, if anybody needs to find you, they can reach, just reach out to the North country chamber Absolutely. of commerce. Mm -hmm. Um, I, the greatest chamber of commerce in all of the country, right? You can say <laughs> well, that. Thank you. But we'll say that. I think you guys are, we'll let you say that. Well, I, I, well, I think you guys are a leader in a lot of it. I think a lot of, um, I think you get, we have a very strong chamber, and I think a lot of like the very community centric, which is good. And um, the uh, Irish person of the breakfast of the year award coming thing, up, coming up, sponsored by us with a few others, yeah, Danamora, then the other company, which I don't much. know. Yeah, no, I was, I was, I was like, I, that's always fun. Yeah, and and when they asked me, I'm like, okay, yes, the guy that has Irish everywhere for the Irish one, I'm like, yeah, I can't say no to that, and I was actually pumped because I've been wanting that sponsorship, so that's great. So worked out <laughs> perfect. But um, if you need to reach Sue. North Country Chamber of Commerce, nymtl.com. Check it out. Yeah. New uh, new website. Yep. New York, Montreal. Um, I think that's it. Anything else? I really appreciate the opportunity to be here and talk about the chamber and what we do. Just sh sh shoot the breeze, right? So Yeah, there you go. All right. That's it. Episode 118 of the Galen Trombley Show. Thanks for listening to the Galen Trombley Show. If you want to reach me, you can go on Facebook at Galen Trombley, on Instagram at Galen Trombley, and on YouTube at Galen Trombley. The spelling, G-A-E-L-A-N-T-R-O-M-B-L-E-Y.